Hello there, this is the 149th episode of Radio Free Nintendo, this is Greg sitting in for Johnny, who is once again on his perhaps annual trip to Bonnaroo. Bonnaroo! <laughs> Freaking Bonnaroo, that's all he ever talks about. If, if that sounds like an ill omen... It is. It's because uh, when this happened last year, Stan and Carl came on the show, and what ensued has never been forgotten, really. So, um, but we we have a far more sort of uh, ordinary show, but uh, nonetheless excellent, hopefully. Um, I'm glad to welcome back, first of all, newlywed and site director John Lindemann. A pleasure, of course. Good having you back. It's been quite a while. Yeah, I know. Since the E3 Prediction show, so good to catch up. Um, Exhausted features editor James Jones. Always exhausted. Always features editor. (laughs) And and always bitter. (laughs) Just like this beer. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the lovely toads of Radio Trivia host, uh, Michael T.Y.P. Cole, who is uh, back in the States now, fully repatriated. (laughs) Yeah, he he had a great acclamation period of return E3. Yeah, yeah. Like I deferred my jet lag for a week, so after E3, uh, I was up till 4, then sleeping till 4. Um, it's good fun, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Greg's not bitter, though. That's the thing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not bitter. Not at all. It's the NFL is it's to blame. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't get started. <laughs> Brett Favre's coming back, buddy. I had to go there. I had to go there. No, we're not. We're not. I'm not dignified. It's bad enough that he gets on the the cable the sports news all the time. We're not bringing Brett into this. At least not until he's actually sort of the talk. I'm coming about. back. Oh, I'm not. I'm coming. Oh no, I'm not. Right. So let's get on with it. And the first thing I want to do is thank all the team that went to E3 for doing an absolutely bang-up job. We had the daily podcast with our old host, Carl Castaneda, providing the production on that, and, of course, all the great writing that went on in very prolific bunches of impressions. And I want a TYP, in particular, best abstract of the show. Please continue. Very good. Very yeah, good. You're welcome. I was a big cinema punishment Please fan. Please continue. I, I, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really outstanding stuff from the guys over there, and they they covered E3 really well. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on it in this episode by any means, but I do really want to hear from what John made of it from his honeymoon. <laughs> yeah, which everybody kept reminding me of. Yeah, You're so, yeah. What John stepped up and edited my thoroughly relevant third quarter European release schedule from his honeymoon. This is this is dedication right there. Well it was funny your your email went out and you were like I know this really isn't that important, but if somebody could please edit it, I'd appreciate it. So it kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit. So oh, Did you, you edit go. it from your cell phone? Because that would have been impressive. No, no. We actually had internet access at the hotel. Oh crappy God. crappy access, but we did have internet access. Oh, could not have been as bad as our E3 internet access. <laughs> it's like, well, it would be better no when we get way. to the hotel. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was almost oh, like I was dear. at E3 with the crappy internet access. So You, get the, you got the E3 experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you were able to follow it pretty Pretty you know, closely, obviously. Uh, yeah. What was your What was your gut reaction from from Nintendo's uh, you know, conference announcements? I mean, I, I really liked it. I mean, I really um, appreciate it. I mean, I, I think it was it's inter- it's interesting seeing kind of like the gut reaction. It really depends on where you're looking. I, I read the one article where they traced the reaction of uh, NeoGAF posters. Oh yeah. And I, I was that was pretty funny. Um, but I, I really liked it. 
No, the best part of that was the minute Cammy came on stage, it <laughs> nosedove. Well, the funny oh, thing, the, the, funny, so uh, the, the funniest thing was that that graph is completely, you know, you can just predict it. It's like Cammy down, Reggie. goes down. Yeah, <laughs> Reggie up. Like yep. before she said a word, it was the it was the farthest down point on the graph, except for the sensor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I don't think up and down can really convey befuddlement. Um, yeah, <laughs> which was probably what was being felt at the time of the the sensor. With it's mm-hmm. more like, a, okay, Cammy's on the stage. How bad is this going to be? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and it was it wasn't that bad. It was not that bad. But she uh, wasn't on there very but, often. But last year it was so bad. Everyone expected it to be. Yeah, bad. it was. It wasn't as toe curling as as the the yeah, family anecdotes and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, in terms of the uh, the announcements, John, which which was the ones that you know pricked your ears up the most. Well, I mean, Metroid, of course. I was really really happy. Yeah, with- I mean. It, the thing I had the shock totally ruined for me because I was traveling home at the time. So by the mm-hmm. time I got mm. home, I yeah to watch the conference, you could the headlines were everywhere. But for someone who was you know not there but just watching it from remote, was that just like totally shocking? I can only well, it was. It, I mean, it was completely bizarre because at first I didn't realize you know that like okay, I was like okay, so there's a new Metroid game, assuming that it's just being made by by uh, by you know Nintendo themselves, and I was like. It's being made by Team Ninja. Like, where did that come from? Like, it's one of those things where I didn't believe it. I thought I thought it was BS. Like, I thought somebody was joking because I think I read it on the Twitter feed, and I thought somebody was just BSing. <laughs> right. I'm just like, seriously, <laughs> you know? So I mean, that was completely yeah. out of left field. It, it um, does remind me of when the, the 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 full media summit and it comes through. Punch out Sin and Punishment too. I thought that was a joke at yeah. the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a bit. It's a bit. It's even more bizarre than that. To well, be it, fair, it's funny because when the video started rolling of that, there wasn't really an indication that it was Metroid. It just kind of looked like generic sci-fi. It was stuff. the Team Ninja logo, wasn't it? At first, it was well, the yeah, first thing you saw. We're, we're watching like, huh? Team Ninja? What? Huh? And then it's like, t- it's then it's like plus Nintendo. Then it was times Nintendo. Yeah, and then it was. Just, <laughs> then it was just some <laughs> generic <laughs> sci-fi shit. And people are like laughing in there. I'm not kidding. They're literally laughing in the hall. And then it. And then they realize that Samus and the whole thing just goes silent with just this gasp. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the thing is too yeah. is like like with with my internet, I couldn't uh, I couldn't watch any trailers. So I was just I was still kind of just sitting there like you got to be shitting me unless I see video proof of this I'm not buying this at all so you know it's just going by I feel like I'm sitting there going by hearsay like I was you know I, I was you know out in the boonies effectively so it was, well it was they, funny. well that kind of leads on to now that you've had time to kind of digest it and you've seen the trailers and all that you know what what's your excitement level for Metroid other M? Um, I mean, that's it. Looks it looks pretty cool, you know. It's just like anything. I mean, it's kind of like I look at it like Metroid Prime. It's like I'm cautiously optimistic, you know. Mm, yeah, you know, back we'll, we'll when see. We, you know, kind of Metroid Prime was in the works. You know, you didn't, you weren't sure mm-hmm. how it was going to turn out. You know, with the new developer. And you know, it's the same kind of thing with Metroid Prime, where nobody really knew how good the dev team would be. You know, because now it's like, okay, well, are they going to be as good as they were? You know, back when they had uh, yeah, the him. man, it, yeah. yeah, back when they had him. You know, it's kind of unproven because they really—I don't think they put out a game yet. That's that's why this is such a brilliant move, Lindy. They need leadership, mm-hmm. and Nintendo's there to give them, you know, yeah. Solid well, they, this is to work this, on and some leadership. This is what really enthuses me because I mean, if you look at some of the the interviews afterwards and stuff, 
you know, that the, the R&D one is, is not only, you know, involved, but what uh, Yoshia Sakamoto, and this is where I'm really glad we did the, the Metroid episode because it provides a lot of the, the context for this stuff mm-hmm. um, to people to kind of know the history of the development. Uh, he was, he's, the way he's talking is that basically this game is his vision for a console Metroid hmm. in the way that Metroid Prime never was. You know, he worked on those games kind of in a sort of consultative capacity, but he didn't. It wasn't really his vision for Metroid. And we kind of talked before about how Miyamoto had a lot to do with, it, in, in, you know, as much to do with anything on the Nintendo end of how that that was conceived. Whereas this is is his idea, and team the Team Ninja part is kind of like well, as we also talked about, your R and D one are, are pretty much purely handheld, have been for like decades now. Mm-hmm. And they just don't really have the the wherewithal to do it, and I guess you know rather than getting like someone else from inside Nintendo to do it, they've they've got the Team Ninja to for the for the ability to do all the 3D graphics and all that. So and you know if it is his concept for a console Metro, I'm just really eager to see what that is. Yeah, it was it was this weird like surreal moment where it had to sink in that this is what you're looking at. You're like this doesn't really make sense, and then after. <laughs> After a few minutes, it hit you. But the first thing I heard, and I'm not going to say what staffer said this, is, oh, God, Samus is going to have a huge rack. <laughs> like, that was the first thing they took from the fact Team Ninja was making this game. I was like, don't put that in any writing. <laughs> well, Let's just leave I mean, that out. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you, you, once, I mean like, it's kind of a more natural kind of reaction when you don't know like all this background stuff that's going to come out now. I mean, I feel pretty safe that the sanctity of the series is, yeah. is going to be maintained. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like John kind of says, you don't really know how the gameplay is all going to shake Well, out. the thing is, they're so they're so well known for doing these balls-out action games that yes. really kind of hard. aren't like... They don't kind of fit into the Metroid mold. You know, like, Metroid's more about kind of solitary, you know, exploring sort of thing. Never really yeah, too yeah. many enemies being thrown at you at one time, but, you know... No, it's not too dependent on, on the combat or anything like that, so it mm-hmm. will be really interesting, but I, I certainly am very much encouraged and intrigued just by the idea of, okay, well, you know, we've always talked about the fact that, you know, your sort of Metroid Dread kind of went away, and then there hasn't been one on the DS, and it's like, well, you know... To, as R&D 1 kind of given up on Metroid like they're just going to make Rhythm Heaven from now on or whatever but it's like no you know, they, were, they were thinking about they were thinking about doing a Metroid but it just wasn't for the handhelds and and this is what it's going to be like so I'm really excited about that yeah um, I guess the main thing the main thing uh, I would say about the conference I guess that, that was a disappointing in a way it was not so much about the conference as E3 in general was that some of these titles that we were hoping for in 2009 like Sin and Punishment 2 or Endless Ocean 2 or maybe Cosmic Walker if we'd heard something about that are not going to show up this year. Yeah. So it's just looking a bit thinner than I was expecting personally. Because, I mean, the stuff for 2010 is just looking great. I mean, Cinema yeah. Punishment 2, yeah. Galaxy 2, I mean, that's two sequels to, like, two of my favourite games of all time. It would be extremely dishonest for me to say anything other than I'm very excited about that. But for this year... New Super Mario Brothers looks great, but other than that, I mean, there's not that yeah. much from Nintendo. Well, it's better than last year, and yeah. Well, I'm more excited about Mario than I was for anything at the end of last year, as you might imagine. I mean, you know, you're talking about you know new side scroll. I mean, I know you, the multiplayer obviously is a huge element. The fact is, it's you know, I mean, a new side scrolling Mario on a console. I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it really is. Well, I mean, the the one the one thing I will say, um, just like just referring to the holidays, it's it's just kind of like an interesting sort of trend. I'm seeing is that the holidays, the Christmas, 
the Christmas time isn't as big as it used to be. Like I was thinking of like no. you know like God of War three. Everybody was like, "What the hell? That's moved, been moved out to March of next year." And normally, well, you know what like, that is. Though. I mean, that's probably like a case of that is literally as soon as they can get it, and they probably. need it in that financial year. Yep. Like that's where because if they don't get it in March, then the you know, next year's financials will probably look as bad as this year's did. True. Yes. You know? Yep. <laughs> maybe even worse. Very good. I think... Or maybe developmentally, it might actually would like to come out later. But, yeah. You know. That, that uh, well, I, I think that. a big reason the Christmas season is less important is because it's stupid to put all your games out at one time. Because yeah. you're... It's stupid to put all of them out. Yeah. And I mean, I mean you're just, you're just cannibalizing your own sales. Nintendo's been doing this for a while. I mean, it's it's more apparent now. But I mean, like they they released. Wind Waker in what, like February? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it made so it made the winter in it made the winter in Japan, and then I think it was maybe like March in in America, as I recall. Well, Sunshine came out in the summer too. That was in the summer, yeah, but that had to come out in the summer, didn't it? It's very Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't have to. I mean, well, it didn't in Europe, so I guess it didn't have to. But, uh... <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, we get it. We'll get past the E3 stuff there. Get into the uh, new business proper. We're going to start with John. Uh, so, what have you been playing over these past several weeks now? Well, the game I took with me on the honeymoon was uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto: Chinatown Wars, which we nice already choice. touched on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's about as unromantic as you can get. And about as exclusionary as you can get. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that that game. It's it's consistently amazed me with how how good that game is. Just, I mean, it's you know, it's funny because I don't I don't think of myself as really a big fan of the Grand Theft Auto franchise particularly, but mm. I just seem to get. Uh, I mean, I haven't like so some of the ones on the PS2 I didn't play through, but just recently I just seem to get every single Grand Theft Auto game and just play them all the way through. And I'll do it with or, Chinatown or not Wars. Play them all the way through in the case of the downloadable ones. True, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, have you uh have you completed the game? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I, it's I'm, big too. There's I not mean... there's not a lot of it, but the game interacts with their website, yeah, which is really cool, and mm-hmm. it does unlock a little bit of extra content, even though it's it's almost nothing in mm-hmm. terms of content wise. It's just still. I don't know, I, I thought it was just really awesome, even though it's only, like, two missions. Yeah, it, it kind of made me have <laughs> sort of, like, a new respect for Rockstar in a way, because they, I think they kind of get pigeonholed, like, oh, well, all they can do is just make Grand Theft Auto games for, you know, 360 or whatever, but I was like, you know what? I mean, they actually, like, the the amount that they use the touchscreen and stuff in that, and in ways that actually make sense, that are actually fun. I mean, mm. all that kind of stuff, mm. I was like, you know, there's some really good game design here. I mean... People kind of write them off as, yeah, they just follow that Grand, that Grand Theft Auto formula. Well, I'm, but... I'm sure there was probably a little bit of suspicion when it was being put on the DS that they might phone it in a bit, mm-hmm. you know, and just rely on the strength of the brand. But it definitely doesn't sound like they've done that well, at all. No, I, I mean, it, it could very well dark horse things like Game of the Year awards for the DS. I mean, yeah. it is that I good. I don't see why not. I mean, you see the reception. It's, I mean, it is the most well-received, you know, on the aggregator sites of any DS game that's ever been. Been, which is quite an accolade. I mean, yep. Yeah, when that game was announced, the th- there was no way anybody thought that was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we were like, we were like, oh, good, we got a logo from the. Well, I think that's kit. some of the reason why the reception is as good as it is. Is because it's kind of outperformed people's expectations, and that, that kind of response that that elicits to, tends to lead to bigger scores. I think. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, so, what else uh, have you been playing, John? Uh, I've uh, finally got to spend a little bit of time with Punch Out. Um, I played it. Yeah. I played it briefly, for you know maybe an hour or two. I, I'm in the same boat. 
Yeah. Right, okay. So that makes three of us. Great. <laughs> oh, you too, James. Yeah, yeah. you've got, you got Podchat. Yeah, I, I cracked it out for the sake of conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So um, your three relative Podchat, I suppose I should say I have finished title defense. I've, I've, I've you know, pretty much beaten the game, as it were. No, is that, is that, is that the first time through? Um, the title defense is the second time. Okay. Um, yeah, so the, you know, it, it takes, it gets quite a lot harder, but I'd like to hear whatever, you know, first of all, John, what you sort of just your initial impressions of it. It's, I mean, it's really good. I mean, it's everything <laughs> as advertised. I mean, I, I think it's, it kind of feels sort of stripped down. I mean, I, I just, for some reason, I just feel like they may, maybe could have fleshed it out with some different modes or something. The one thing I would say is once you get to the later bits and the, the fights get more complicated, you know, yeah. you, you feel like you, you've you been given, you know, quite a lot of, you know, it feels like a lot of stuff to do just because, you know, these, these, these fights require kind of a lot of learning and mm-hmm. you know a lot of practice to sort of execute them so yeah it doesn't you don't feel short i didn't feel short changed at the end of it no i mean I, I don't feel short changed at all but i kind of feel like it's the sort of game where once i do a finite number of tasks i won't really have much reason to go back to it well have you tried mm. balance board mode yet because i think that's going to make all the difference <laughs> in the world oh, yeah not, not a lot of positive things to be heard about the way the balance board is implemented i think <laughs> token would be one of the more charitable uh, things associated with it but mm. no, i mean so well you've got the exhibition challenges um mm-hmm. so they're like these achievement style things which are kind of interesting and they kind of show you what is possible like you know with like how quickly you could defeat fighters if you if you actually really figure it out and stuff so that's yeah that's kind of cool but yeah i mean this is not a game that's gonna have loads of different modes or you're gonna play for you know tens and tens of hours mm-hmm. on end i mean that's just not what it is yeah it's still punch out yeah that's punch the thing out. i mean punch i just out. think that the core game mechanic is so good it's just like i mean it mm-hmm. it is a very worthy follow-up to the Super Nintendo version and the original Nintendo version. I mean... Yeah, although obviously it's much closer to the originals. I mean, I've yeah. played Super Punch-Out! recently, so, and you have, so perhaps you could illuminate on me on more than this, but Super Punch-Out! was a little more kind of like, it added more things, like, and you had that little super thing at the bottom and stuff, you know, like, it doesn't... It go more back to basics with this one, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing I haven't... The one thing I really haven't figured out um, or, or mastered is... Really, how to properly use the star punches? So, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. I, well, you, you mean as it goes on, I mean the, the ways that you get them are kind of a bit more sort of uh, intricate. Like, there's always the occasional thing where they'll do like a little pose and they kind of goad you into punching them, and if you do them right, you will get a star. Yeah, like with great with great tiger where he yes. moves yeah, his head yeah. and you hit him right away and he gives you the star. Yeah, there's plenty. There's still that, but you can get them in like other interesting yeah. sort of ways. And if you can find ways to build them up quickly and then hit someone with a th- you know, with the three star punch, mm-hmm. that can actually get you like instant knockouts. Yeah, I, I yeah. noticed once I got into the world circuit, they seemed to be coming a lot more frequently than they were earlier in the game. Yeah, well, I think what happens is as they get more durable, the opponents, like if you want to get a TKO, you knock them down three times in one round you may well need that you know the the extra firepower to actually you know be able to do that yeah so especially in title defense because you know the, the, you get some really quite epic sort of fights so so typ did you have any uh comments to make on punch out before we move on well i was surprised at how taken aback i was by the the, the racism uh card yeah, <laughs> it's pretty um, bad oh they don't I, hold I was, back at I all i really didn't think it was going to happen but uh and I, I punt it in, and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to play those other people in the house, and I turn, turn it back off. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's sort of, 
it kind of walks a lot. You know, it's the, the, the it's this sort of it's more national than racial. Obviously, bear, uh, bear hugger. Yeah, <laughs> bear, bear hugger. hugger. I'm from Canada, and I don't know anybody like bear hugger. <laughs> really? Well, are the developers uh, Canadian? Uh, yeah, they well, are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they, they are. Oh, no, I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing malign about it. It's no. Very... no, and it's very clear when you play it that it's all in good fun. Yeah. It's playful, but you know, I mean, it's, it's... even though I, I will say, I will say, when you are up there, if you if you punch somebody, salmons actually do float around their face. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I can John's that much. been in enough. John's been in enough barroom brawls to know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but it's it, you know it is good that I think they did. I've said this before. I think it's good they didn't sanitize it because it would have been a you know you would you I think you would have felt its absence more. Um, if they and did. Nintendo was bold to let the, let the developers do that. I mean, well, it, think about it. it. You know, this is especially. the most mainstream system they've had in a long time. They could get a lot of flack for this. Mm-hmm. Well, and don't and also, I mean, you know, this is not one of the games that they chose to sort of bury like Excitebots. You know, I mean, they had a good, you know, robust <laughs> yeah. campaign for it in America. Really great commercials with uh, Paul Melanarchi, um and uh, the guy from The Wire. Um, as Doc Lewis, which is just brilliant. Oh, that's, that's so good. Yeah, if you don't know who he is, he's also in 25th Hour. Um, that's by Spike Lee, and he just goes, she pretty much everything I've ever seen him in. So, but, but, obviously, I... obviously, he's a great choice for Doc Lewis. But he had great promotion, and like we just saw the MPDs like tonight, and it's in the top 10, sold about 140,000 uh, copies or whatever. So, you know, I mean, this, this game is out there. So I suppose TYP's right to point, you know, there could be blowback, maybe. There could back, be some, some uh, backlash here. I, I want to say, though, that... Uh... Doc Lewis's voice acting is is probably some of the most unintentionally hilarious voice acting I've seen in the past five it, or six years. Is it unintentional? It feels like he's reading, but maybe they're trying to go for the whole like he's kind of punch drunk because he, yeah, he's gone a bit silly in the head. It's like it's like, hey Mac, what's your favorite, favorite protein shake? Mine's chocolate. Like, there's no pause there. Join the Nintendo Fun Club. Oh, Club ah, Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some good jokes in there. There's another one like there's a real obscure trivia in there, like where you fight a ball bull and he says, If you can't beat him at boxing, maybe you should try arm wrestling him, which is a reference to the fact that Ball Bull made a cameo in something as an arm wrestler. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like, what kind of super trivia is that? That's that's pretty amazing. Alright, well we'll we'll move on from Punch Out. John, you had something about DSIware that yeah. you wanted to bring up? Yeah, I actually uh I got uh Picto bits for uh, for DSiWare. It's really good. Yeah, so this is art style. Another of the art style games, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. It's it's entirely the whole theme is like retro NES games. Um, and the, the way it works is, you know, it's it's a puzzler, of course. But um, you generally the best way to describe it is you kind like the it's like Tetris with you know the the floating Tetraminos tetramino type shapes mm. floating down the screen and you basically you can uh you have a bar with 10 squares worth of blocks that you have and you can paint those blocks on the screen and so you're pretty much it's like the tetraminos falling down the screen are like keys and you essentially create the lock for them to go into and then when you do that right. you clears them it clears them all it's really really good uh each stage has you know you can earn coins from clearing out um shapes and then you can use those coins to open up the dark uh, stages for each stage, which is like kind of like a reverse harder stage. And uh, you know everything has a theme. Like there's like one for like excite excite bike, 
Um, yeah, so, so what's happening is, as you're clearing these like little blocks, they become pixels in a sort of pixel art thing, right? Correct. So, Up on the top it, screen. It starts to, as, yeah. as you clear them, it forms a sprite mm-hmm. in the above things, so like like an Excite Bike guy or something from Mario or whatever. And then there's 8-bit music that's been like remixed or whatever to accompany all this, as I understand. Yep, and you know, and once you once you fill out the little the little pixel picture, that's when you move on to the next level. So, Wait, right, so, so yeah. the music is like all Nintendo chiptunes. Oh yeah, you d- but you it's just not. Sold it's not game. just that. It is like it's been remixed by somebody or something, and it kind yeah. of like oh, yeah. blends so together. So it's the like the Tetris game that. for DS. So. Yep. Yeah. It's mm. really good. I was actually really impressed by it. Well, I guess DSI is kind of gaining a little bit of momentum now. <laughs> like, uh, some, some good things heard about uh, the Flip Champs game by mm-hmm. Way Forward, and then you've got Mario vs. Donkey Kong, which came out at the beginning of this week, which, you know, is, is not just bits stripped out of the old one. It, there are new levels to it, apparently. And, and you, know, you can, obviously, there's the, the level, level creation feature may not be as new as it was. <laughs> touted <laughs> yeah. as at the conference but that you know that's, that's still cool I, it does sound like the way you would download levels from that is better so you know we're getting there until they turn I the mean, service mm-hmm. off in, in, in nine months, <laughs> as well, John said yeah. <laughs> it could be we've got a whole year probably let's enjoy <laughs> you got at least that. a year you know that so enjoy it but you know I mean I, I guess the only thing is, you know, we would if they'd had a, a virtual console, handheld virtual console announcement at E3, I think I'd be quite a lot closer to buying one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I yeah. probably would have bought one from that Best Buy vending machine in the LAX airport if they had announced that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so is that about it, John? That's it, man. All right, TYP, let's move on to you. Well, all right. So um, aside from the whole E3 thing, um, <laughs> I, I kind of... Uh, decided to do things a little differently and play old games instead of new games. Uh, I endorse this route. Well, I mean, I played some Punch-Out! But um, before I left Japan, about, I don't know, a week before I left Japan, I, I went I went shopping for some games. I picked up um, Captain Rainbow. Yes! For Nick. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, yes. So we, we uh, played it as a kind of a community. Yeah. Uh, a little bit during <laughs> E3. And... Uh, it's a weird game. It really, is. really. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't heard, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess, I guess Aaron had watched some videos or something, so he had some yeah. sort of notion of what to do. So he wound up playing for a bit, and um, it's just weird. Yeah, and, and it, it just... so I assume you could like you know understand what was going on with the text and oh. everything. So oh no, sure, yeah. <laughs> really? No, I, I spent about twenty minutes running around the beach. Slamming into things and getting hurt because I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to do. Well, okay. um, so I, I actually walked into the room after they'd already started playing and I asked somebody what's going on and the response I got was simply like a worried I don't know. <laughs> like it wasn't just, it wasn't just right. straight I don't know. There was legitimate concern. Yeah, there well, was. I guess I mean this is a pretty unique way to experience Captain Rainbow. It does sound like you know pretty perfect actually. Just sort of the shared experience of <laughs> yes, absolute b- bemusement. Um, <laughs> I it mean, was did worth you get $10. a sense of like how, like whether it was, yeah, you know, like legitimately good or was it all <laughs> no? Really the, the, I mean, obviously, if you could read the text, it would probably help you figure out right. what you're supposed to do. But it seems like the interface is kind of clunky. Uh, you're kind of running around slowly, and like when you turn into Captain Rainbow, the, the concept is just this like nerd or something that that has thick glasses. But yeah. then you magically turn into Captain Rainbow after you find a special suit or something. Mm. But even as Captain Rainbow, you're just running around and you don't seem that powerful. Um, 
Right. Maybe you're better able to communicate with people or something. Maybe that's the idea. I don't know. But um, it's. I mean, it's. It seems like it's really leveraged on its humor as well, doesn't it? Because you've got all these bizarre cameos of like you know old Nintendo yeah. characters and like a little Mac that's let himself go and you know, <laughs> which is more of, hilarious <laughs> now because Pinch Out. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> advanced like advanced war soldiers and you know all sorts of you know like and so if you don't have a high level understanding Japanese, you'd be missing out on you know, on that uh, to a large extent. So I, I don't think there's much hope of it ever coming anywhere else. Oh, no, there's not. Well, I think it sold abysmally in Japan. It did. I mean, and, it and, did. Yeah, yeah, it did. And that's to be expected because you're saying it has to be like intersection of people that are hardcore Nintendo fans that that like know about these franchises and they're able to yeah. get the humor and uh enjoy you know enjoy this type of game. Yes. Like, it's very weird like how that game even came into being. Yeah, oh, of course. Because, I mean, <laughs> just looking at it, there's like, I don't see, A, how this game was thought of, and B, how someone at Nintendo said, make yeah, it. Yeah, how it got the green light. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are other more worthy games that on on that, that side, you know, but they did make a tingle game, and there's been a suggestion <laughs> that there might be another one. Yes, uh, recently. So uh, hope springs eternal for all I, sorts. I, of I want that tingle game in the U.S. immediately. Well, you can import it from Europe. Yeah. A- any anyway, uh, while I was shopping for Captain Rainbow um, at the store, Book Off, um, they were having a really good deal on all of their Game Boy games, at least the original and, and Game Boy Color, mm. and it was pretty much four hundred yen across the board for anything <laughs> and any any Game Boy or Game Boy Color game they had. And other stores I'd been to, you know, they're more meticulous about pricing it and everything. So um, I picked up a few games. I picked up. Um, Kirby's Tilt and Tumble, uh, which is, I think it's Coco Kirby in Japanese. And um, I picked up Super Mario Land 2, which I never owned. I just, because it was during that period of time when I'd lost my Game Boy. I didn't have one, but right. I would play it on like car rides when, when other people had their Game Boy. Um, so I, I picked that up as well as, um, I guess it was it, Mole Mania? As far as I can tell, it's Mole, Mole Mania. Mania. It's, it um, sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything. Which I have not played yet. Um, so, I, you know, I, I was sort of taking it easy this week. I'm I'm sort of recovering from E3 and everything. And yeah. uh, so I, and I'm playing a little bit of, I said, oh, I want to play some Kirby Tilt and Tumble. You know, I heard good things about it. So I, I put it in my um, Game Boy Advance SP, which, you know, since it's a Game Boy Color, I can't use my DS. Yeah. And I start playing and I'm like, oh, crap, it's upside down. Like, because the cart is sticking out of the bottom, the tilt sensor is kind of reversed. You know, like <laughs> tilting forward, tilts oh, backwards. Uh, <laughs> so I did something yeah. I thought I would never have to do again in my life, which is bust out my original Game Boy Advance. There is a reason I kept it, see? Oh, uh, nice. And uh, so I played that. Uh, it, it's a really good game, except uh, it's impossible to see the damn thing on the Yeah, you turn in the G. Oh, no, and you're that tilting doesn't work the, the screen, all. so there's no way to have a good, you know, constant light source. Yeah. And, but... It, uh, but the actual game is a lot of fun. I've only played a few levels, but uh, the level design is interesting. It's actually quite difficult. It's very easy to kill yourself falling off an edge. A Kirby game? Um, a challenge? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, one's, this one's pretty challenging. It, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I, I wish I had a means of playing it on a system that I could see. Yeah, I can't really think um, of, an, of a solution for that. If, S- you know, like, su- or- Super Game Boy on your SNES. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, w- I was thinking my Game Boy player, but... That, yeah, I don't know again. If that would work either, because that's, that's upside down. But I could hold Dicey. the GameCube backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Just stand there holding the GameCube, turning the whole cube. 
<laughs> There's a screw on it. I could do it. So what about what about? So I'm interested in what you think about Super Mario Land Two because I, I had yeah. a similar experience to you actually, but I played it on uh, a couple of occasions when a fr- when it was uh, like toy day at school at the last yeah, day right. of the year and played like most of the game uh, on the friend's Game Boy and I, I seem to remember really enjoying it. But it must have quite a different perspective now having played all the Warrior games that they went on to make. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remembered it being more like a Mario game than it actually is. I mean, it, it definitely is closer to being a Mario game than the original Mario Land, which is a great game, but it doesn't feel like a Mario game. And um, Mario Land 2 has more of the trappings. It has more of the baddies you expect to see in a in a Mario game. They look more like their Super Mario World counterparts. Yeah, um, sure. And, but uh, it definitely is is kind of somewhere between Wario Land and and Mario Land, which is which is what you would expect, I, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, mm. The the power up system feels a lot like Wario Land one. Like the when you hit the box, the except for maybe the mushroom which actually moves, you know they stick there, they stay there, and if you go off screen, you can come back and pick up the power up later. And and when you get powered up, you like Mario. You know, we were when I was talking about um, uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii at E3 yeah. with people we were talking about how when you pick up a power up the entire game kind of stops yeah yeah and it does the little animation. well it doesn't do that in Wario Land games and it doesn't do that in this game <laughs> so it, i mean there are these little touches i'm like yeah this really is from a different development team but the the level design's really interesting um the the worlds are very interesting i mean even compared to like new super mario brothers the the environments you're in are, are definitely creative it, like I, once again as you would expect from the, the team that makes wario land games yeah um the team that went on to make wario land yeah. games but and, the game is very short i was i was surprised you know i'd played bits and pieces i was not as good a gamer when i yeah. uh when i played it before it's a very short game um i got to the final level I'd say in an hour and a half of of yeah, play it, would, it would have was to be short for me to finish it in toy day. So yeah, <laughs> it, it was pretty like... short. And I, I know there are a couple of levels that have alternate exits that uh, I don't think so, I, I stumbled right, upon. So a I bit like those Mario from... World, like you've got these, yeah, because it is a lot. I mean, the trapping, the external trappings, like the the world maps and stuff, it, yeah. is very sort of. It was after Mario World, and you right, know, it they're, kind they're of trying to emulate that, it, it definitely. Um, but as uh, the folks over at Retronauts have touched on it, it's kind of like, it's almost like the development team kind of didn't like the fact that they were making a Mario game because there's all sorts of bizarre things. Like, they got away with whatever they could. Um, like, there's certain <laughs> things that would never be in a normal Mario game. Um, you might see in Super Paper, Super Paper Mario or, or something like that. But, like, yeah. uh, there's still, like, an area that feels more like a Gradius level or whatever in, in the space world. Space world in the space in this in the space world. He actually goes into space this time. Yes, he, does. he goes into space, and, and there's just this area where it's kind of like you're maneuvering around all these obstacles, not you know trying not to get hurt. It feels a lot like the like the submarine level, or actually no, the airplane level in the original yeah, Mario. Land. In the original one, yeah, um, that's right. Uh, and uh, there are just some other things like there, there's the gi- there's like a giant Mario. This is Mario. You're in Mario Land. Oh, the big, giant, the big robot. <laughs> you know, yeah, like the robot clockwork. Mario I mean, sort of thiefed or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's like the development team really did. It's like, geez, Mario's so full of himself. We gotta make a Mario game. Geez, you know, Mario, Mario, Mario. So like they put Mario everywhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like you sympathize with Mario. Now I didn't beat the game. The final level is actually really hard, and I did remember mm. that. <laughs> yeah, I've never uh, compared to the rest of the level. game. The last level is very hard, and Wario is kind of sneaky. It's hard to jump on him. He's kind of fast. So um, I did not actually complete the game. I got to the very end, but I haven't completed it yet. 
but it's it's a lot of fun um I guess 400 yen is about the right price for it, though. I mean, it's, it's pretty short. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, I mean, I guess what, if we were to have a handheld virtual console, you'd kind of, the 400 yen you know, is, is 400 Nintendo points, Yeah, four, yeah four, so, $4. Like, I, I would hope that we would have, like, original Game Boy games for that or less, maybe. But yeah. It might be 500, but I still think it would be well worth it to play like oh, this, because I did, I did get to play some like that on Friends, and so I missed out on a lot yeah. of that era. So I, 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 I would be desperate to play a lot of these old games. So, I yeah. mean, I've, I've picked up some, uh, like Metroid 2 and stuff, but you just mm. can't find it, especially if you're not in Japan, where they're just yeah. selling them off, like, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I, I know I, I never owned the original Game Boy, so there, I'm sure there's tons of games that I'm, I'm, mm. I'd be interested in playing. No, so. I, I, I'm still surprised they haven't done it yet, and I yeah. really look forward to when they do. All right, well, we'll move on to James. Have you got anything other than your ongoing exhaustedness? No, I do. Um, so when I was flying out there, I mentioned before that I had bought Rhythm Heaven with the intent yeah. of playing it, and then I bought the third Phoenix Wright game as sort of like yeah. the one I'm really pissed at Rhythm Heaven. To just, yeah, you change your pace. Uh, yeah. to, you can't get more of a change of pace than that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. But um, it's funny because once that game, it, that game hit my DS somewhere over the Great Lakes. So that's when when Rhythm Heaven came out, and um, yeah, it has yeah. yet to leave it since. It's an awesome game. It is. It, it, it is, is fantastic. It really pulls you in. The first game really, really got me, and I I actually bought the second game the day it came out and I was a little bit disappointed although the second game's final case is fantastic the, se- the second game is definitely my least favorite in yeah. the entire series including four and you, have the, you the... played what is it four of the four of them have you uh, TYP is that I, mean, I, I played all of them and I, I don't know if I reviewed all of them I, I think I did um, <laughs> I may have not you know what no I didn't review four I think I think I let someone else uh, crack that one open but, but there's, been, there's been four to date on the DS and then there's the uh, the perfect prosecutor coming yes and I'm so shortly. excited for that game now you know it's mm. funny because and you've played four haven't you James I have four and then I just kept going I'm not going to play it I'm going to get three. Oh, right you yeah, had yeah, it yeah I'd recommend played. playing one then three then four two if you really liked one play two first play them in order yeah but uh, two you can skip th- you there, can there skip is there are some cues to two and three that, that were nice to remember but for whatever well, reason that's why I played in order that way you don't get yeah, yeah. I, I got but, I uh, got uh, so turned off on two and everyone because two and three came out pretty close together mm-hmm. yeah. I never went around to mm-hmm. getting it and I got it and now I've probably poured like like I'm going out at lunch just so I have an excuse to be away from people and play the game. It's, it's, it's that bad. Three is pretty epic, especially the final case. It really, it really builds up. It does. You do an excellent job of kind of tying a bow in the entire trilogy. It's it's really it's really well done. Um, I think the localization is maybe better in the first one, but the actual storytelling and plot. Yeah, the, the, the first the first mm. one has a lot of uh, cultural jokes, and they sort of backed yeah. off on it in two and three, I guess, because they realized those jokes will become um, essentially lose any value as they are no longer culturally relevant. I thought it was because they had a different translator. Oh, that's that's possible too. <laughs> but uh, I mean, they're they're still funny. They're just not. Yeah, well, three three is very good. Two, yeah, yeah, two, it's good. Two it's is good. good I, but... It's only bad in comparison to these other games. Yeah, three three is absolutely just blowing my mind. It just just in the amount of like I've, I'm basically going to start playing four as soon as I finish three. You're gonna now. go straight onto that. <laughs> Maybe that'll take you through to the to when the new one comes out. Oh, uh, it, it's good though because this was a good like bring down from 
what I went through the last week because I don't really consider this gaming. It's more like reading one of those interactive yeah. novels. Yeah, it's an interactive novel as much as anything. Yeah, it's 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 a if you haven't played these games. If you can find them, definitely go get them because they are fantastic. Yeah, they're really good. No, that's great. Uh, and anything else before we move on? N- nothing really major, no. Fair enough. All right, well, I'll close this out with new business. Um, I, obviously, I play a lot of punch out, you know, doing title defense requires discipline and uh, <laughs> <laughs> nerves of steel. Hours of stiff upper lip. It is tough. It is one of the most satisfyingly tough things I've done in games for quite a while. I mean, it is, He's it's like a lion. The thing is, I, I, I just find that game controls. <laughs> the, the controls, like the punching is so satisfying. It is very satisfying. You know, because when you... Some of these guys at the end, they will beat you so many times mm-hmm. when you finally beat them. Oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a Greg game for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cathartic experience. I, I, I actually had my first experience of that with Bald Bull right before we recorded. Yeah, I mean, Bald Bull time title defense is like epic and like there was one time when i came basically one punch short of a tko oh like yeah and i was like ah <laughs> it's just couldn't like as the it. bell rang were you like rearing back to hit him yeah like yeah if the punch had <laughs> the connected worst. he would have been down and then it's you know they would have been over but you know when you when you then beat him after that it, it feels great so that's been wonderful but Totally different kind of game I've been playing is Klonoa for Wii. <laughs> so this is a slightly more relaxed. A little bit. Game. Very more sort of, uh, very, It's very easy, very kind of docile, really, platformer. But I like it. I, I, I like that. I think, it, you know, it does manage to be interesting while being very easy. Um, you know, with some of the way it handles the designs, and I think there's one thing in particular that I think that maybe the the 3D Mario's could could take a cue from, because I know long ago when we, we did an episode with Johnny, he was talking about Galaxy when it not long come out, and he was saying, you know, one of the problems that 3D Mario's have is you know how to make the enemies like important because you know it's so easy in three dimensions to just kind of bypass them. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't really have to jump on them. You can just kind of walk around them unless they were like really aggressive. But the thing about Klonoa is that it, it plays on a 2D plane, you know, essentially, uh, even though the graphics are 3D and everything. But what what it makes you do is if you can, if you need to double jump, you need to have an enemy to do that. It kind of pushes off the enemy and, and, and goes into the air. And what that does is it makes you engage the enemies. You know, you have mm-hmm. to do it to be able to, to get to certain places. Yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good observation. Um, I mean, I think they kind of did that a little bit in Doki Doki Pan slash Super Mario Brothers 2 yeah. USA and uh, and in Yoshi's Island for the for the Super Nintendo because you need to eat enemies to get eggs mm-hmm. so, well that's the thing I mean because Yoshi is going to be in Galaxy 2 you know I mean they could do similar things and, and you know I was thinking about that as well um, you know the way you had the, 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 the way you used the star bits and stuff I mean you know if Yoshi's got eggs you could use the pointer to fire them you know I mean there's oh, lots snap. of oh snap there's lots of applications that you could do with Yoshi that would make him a lot more sort of interesting than his relatively token implementation in Super Mario Sunshine. Definitely. Um, but but the, but the point is just that, you know, like you said, Doki Doki Panic, Yoshi, I mean, these are 2D games that have like sort of made you engage with the enemies because they're useful. But what's interesting is I haven't seen that done in 3D where it's probably more valuable mm-hmm. because, you know, when you're stuck on a 2D plane, well, you're kind of forced to engage with them anyway to an extent because, 
you know, there's only so much room. So I think that that could be a really cool application. But go back to Clodoa itself, um, the way it kind of this whole sort of 2.5D so-called that it does is it's kind of a more meaningfully 2.5D. It's not just 2D, but with polygonal graphics. You do actually sort of like throw stuff into the screen, as it were, or towards the screen, uh, you know, like the, using the sort of the depth uh, element and the paths wind and intertwine. It's just visually interesting to see things in the distance and wonder, you know, how does that interconnect? And then, you know, as you go through the level, you get to explore that. So it's it might be easy, but it's very pleasant um, and very enjoyable. The controls with I've been using classic controller, very tight. Even though you've got this got fluid, expressive animation, but there isn't. Sometimes with games like that, you know, there's a bit of a too much of a delay. If you mm-hmm. know what I mean, mm-hmm. because it kind of over animates. You don't really have that in this. It all feels pretty much right. The presentation's a little bit twee for me, you know. Yeah, <laughs> little... uh, the storytelling. I mean, I I've played uh, through maybe yeah. You, you wrote of the impressions version. for us from the Japanese version. Yeah, one, and and uh, the storytelling really got on my nerves, and I realized, oh, I can push plus to fast forward, which <laughs> yeah, which dear <laughs> lord, thank God, but. Um, <laughs> It, are, are the English voice act? Is the English voice acting? The, the English voice acting is is very Saturday morning cartoon, as you would yeah. expect. You know, I wouldn't say it was especially bad, but obviously, it's not really meant for me by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, the, the way that the, the the structure of the game, like I understood very very little of the the plot really, but the structure mm. you can tell it, it's more it's like a Saturday morning cartoon where it's like every yeah. every level or every two levels you have a new friend that you have to help out is is kind of you know yeah I mean it's, it's, it's feel, because. You know? it's, it's a surprisingly dark turn at one point, actually, but yeah, in general, it is. Uh, <laughs> you really? Yeah, very really? Much, you, you, yeah. Yes, it does. That does. That's around where I stopped playing. It was. It was surprising, <laughs> um, but you know, it is. Um, it, it it is very Saturday morning cartoony. I mean, that's just what it is. And TYP says you could skip or if you don't want to deal with that, you could skip it and uh, just enjoy the play. The the games and it, it does have a very Yoshi's Island style thing in that you have these like medallion pieces or something that are pretty much like the the big flowers in Yoshi's Island. Mm, yeah. So they'll be located in... The, that's where, like, what challenge is in the game is sort of found, is that they'll be in these sort of tricky locations where you might have to do, like, a consecutive double jumps where you do a double jump, snag an enemy out of the air, then use that to do another one to then get... You know, th- this where the sort of play mechanics actually get more kind of rigorously exploited and stuff. So those are kind of fun to collect. And I think you do get some kind of extra content for getting them all. Hopefully I'm not being strung along on that. <laughs> but it is fun Useless to get them exercises. It is fun to get them in themselves, to be fair. How, how great would that be if at the end they're like, good job you collected them all, you get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you don't get much for getting a lot of the treasures in Warrior Land, but I didn't care. They're great. I mean, it's they're like fun to get. You now get to play through the entire game again. Here's a bracelet. <laughs> no, 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 but you now get to play through the entire game again. Period. There is a mirror mode where you play through the whole game again in reverse. Nice. <laughs> Obviously inspired by Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Very oh, nice. No. <laughs> see, just That's... look look for these things. Look for the patterns, and you'll see it everywhere. I, I was I was under the impression there's like a, a new extra room in each level. Yeah, reverse I, I think there is. A, there, that's what I'm saying. I think there is extra stuff that you can get. That's more important than the, the bloody mirror mode, but that is in there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's the thing Who's is, and ghosts, the bloody. 
<laughs> the main thing I would say is that you know it's priced right because yeah. it isn't the most substantial game, but you can get it over here now commonly. You can get it over here at release for about the equivalent of about twenty three dollars, and uh, in America, it's, you know, it came out at thirty, and you can probably mm. get it cheaper than that maybe if you shop around. So, yeah, for for the sort of substance of the game, it's about right. So I mean, it's uh, it's worth investigating if you like traditional platformers, especially as you know, other than the virtual console. Um, you probably haven't been playing that many of them lately. I mean, even on DS, there's not a huge amount. No, it's kind of surprising in a way. Right, well, that's going to bring new business to a close, and we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to catch up with your listener mail with some interesting things that came out of E3, and then after that, we've got the close to uh, Retroactive number 6, Zelda 2. <laughs> Alright, Adolf Vega in Denton, Texas writes, Now that Mario vs. Donkey Kong Minis March Again has been released and WarioWare Do-It-Yourself is coming, do you think that Nintendo should make a level editor in New Super Mario Bros. Wii or have a WiiWare download where you can trade and make your own 2D Mario levels? People online have been making levels using Mario ROMs for years, not that we ever would endorse such a thing. Uh, so this would be tons of fun. I'm sure it would be. Yeah, I've played some of those levels online though, and it's just ridiculous amounts of masochism. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, one reason why Nintendo is probably reluctant to do this is because they they want to have tight control over the levels with Mario in them. I think, mm-hmm. and um, they realize that it's really brutal stuff. People aren't going to have fun, and, and it may kind of tarnish the Mario platformer brand. Um, also, they like to make money. I mean, so if you can make any level you want, then you don't need to buy expansion packs like uh, Super Mario Advanced Wars, Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, with the dot matrix cards or whatever they were. Yeah, the uh, the, e- the uh, e-reader. Yeah. The, e-reader. Yeah, the e-reader. The e-reader is it was genius in just the amount of pure cash grabbing it was. Hey, you want extra <laughs> levels? You don't get to know what levels are in this pack, but there are extra yeah, levels in yeah. here. I think with Nintendo, they tend to look at it like, okay, we want this to be for a broad audience, and honestly, how broad an audience is going to sit there and make these Mario new Mario levels, right? Well, who's how how broad an audience is going to download them? If it, but you know, I mean, the, the the stats that people talk about, whether it's uh, the Guitar Hero, you know, song creation, or it's Little Big Planet, or whatever, is that you know we are expecting a very small percentage of people to make levels, but as long as you know enough people buy the game, that small percentage. Uh, will yield enough very dedicated people to, to, you know, sort of feed something of a sort of vibrant scene. But yeah. I agree with TYP, they're probably just, you know, not too happy about people sort of being liberal with Mario. And then on the other hand, I mean, as you said, you know, you, it's not so much necessarily just the small number of people who create levels for this, but they probably perceive as a, you know, a real mass market product. We're talking about essentially the sequel to the DS game that sold in excess of 15 million copies. Yes. And mm-hmm. Closer to 20 million at this point worldwide that, you know, how many of those people are actually going to be people that would want to download levels? Yeah, that's, that's true. You know, so I guess they just think it's not 
worth their while to put that kind of implementation in, well, in the game. I, I mean, remember, we're dealing with Nintendo, who is as, as paranoid a company as one can be. Yeah. Uh, just imagine what some... Imagine what our funhouse goers would do with level creator. Yeah. Imagine what terrible things you would see built out of blocks. That's the point. I think is the, one of the issues why it wouldn't happen is because Nintendo hypothetically, you know, could could be like really careful with the way the tools are and things about how you you know what you can do in levels. But you know that care means time and effort. Yes. And that's time and effort they're unwilling to expend. Yeah. Right. And and as seen by the recent Smash Brothers Brawl announcement. Um, I guess yeah. they haven't found that it was worth their while there to, to keep it up. I just don't think so. they want the overhead to do it. I mean, maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's probably just past a point where there's just so little activity that it's just like, right, that's it. You know, not worth their while time. Shut up, shop. And I mean, we see this. I mean, because you know, what you what the guys talked about at E3, you know, it's just like, I mean, far more. I mean, level creation would be great and all that, and, and downloading new levels and stuff, but far more fundamental thing online play yeah is apparently not worth their while to put into this game yeah it's interesting because nintendo just seems as a company they just they seem to really uh like sort of when they design something they're like this is what you're gonna get it's all self-contained you don't really have to add anything to it yeah simple straight up here it is well that's a very japanese way of looking at things they want Mm. everything in a nice little box everything looks perfect everything you know very much perfectionism triple wrapped whatever Mm -hmm. um (laughs) You know, it isn't this guns out blazing. Well, I don't care if there are bugs. We're going to have, you know, custom levels. And yeah. It's yeah. a very Japanese way of, of looking at game design and, 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 and game packages. I mean, now I still think that they could do online without, you know, but custom levels intrudes a little more and coaches a little more on having like well-designed levels. I mean, it, there's a difference. They they seem to have a view of like, yeah, it's ideally a local experience, you know. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, yeah, and I, you can't argue with that. It is ideally a local yeah. experience. But at the same time, you know, the online part would be really valuable to a lot of people. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Because, yeah, as Johnny's mentioned, all that, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to actually play the game the way it was you know, mostly intended. But I think the, the way they look at it, maybe, if you look at the Smash Brothers example, is that you know if they put the time and effort into an online mode, but there were problems, it might almost become more trouble than it's worth. Because you know, look out, you know, look at all the negative press that there was exactly. about Smash Brothers. Yeah, don't give them the opportunity to find something negative. I, th- I feel like Nintendo, they still kind of look at look at themselves as. I wouldn't say a toy company as kind of like a, I mean, an entertainment company, whereas somebody like Sony, the way they look at themselves is almost more of like, kind of like a, like a networking company. You know what I mean? Like they look at that as kind of their core competence, whereas Nintendo was like, we're not really too much wrapped up in the tech of it. We just want people to have kind of fun with our product and have a, a really simple interaction with it and just be able to enjoy it without a whole bunch of overhead crap around it. And that's true. Nintendo doesn't have the corporate know-how. I mean, it's not in their, mm. you know, they don't have the experience. They don't know how to build a, robust operating system. They don't know how to make a complete operating system that has things running in the background at all times. You know, mm-hmm. that, that isn't... Yeah. And they don't that, that care. their collective knowledge, you know? And that's what you see in the way the Wii's designed. Yeah, it's not so much worth their while to sort of learn those things either, yeah. you know, I suppose, is the real issue. All right, we'll move on to the, to the next letter. And uh, TYP, you've got this one. All right. Let's see if I can read this one. I recently stumbled upon the podcast... And you guys are doing a really amazing job. Well, thank you, I guess, to everyone else. <laughs> We're sorry we, we left it sitting around for people to trip over, though. We, we apologize. <laughs> you have a deep nice. knowledge and a love of all things Nintendo, and it really comes across in the podcast. Keep up the great work. Okay, I have a couple of questions. First of all, 
I download a lot of virtual console titles to my Wii. When Wii 2 comes out, do you think there will be a way to transfer these downloaded titles over to it? Or will I basically have to start from scratch again and pay for the games I already have? Yeah, interesting question. I mean, you know, the classic line is, well, Nintendo will make you rebuy everything. But they do. I mean, it's not they like do. they haven't earned they that. They do. It is a classic line for a reason. If they can get away with it, they will. Yes. The question is, do they feel like they can get away with it? I don't think mm. in this case that they can. Well, I think I think I, they I don't could, think though. They can. I think they could say, well, you, you should still own your Wii. Well, but what if it breaks and you don't have another Wii? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing, like, yeah, because it comes a point where, obviously, at the minute, there is some sort of convoluted process for being able to uh, access those games on a, on, a, on a different system if your other one has broken. But, you know, if you get to a point where the Wii isn't being serviced in the same way because they've moved on to the next one, well, then, you know, you would have preferred to have been able to transfer it over to your new next-generation console in the first place before that becomes a problem. I could see I could see them doing something like, okay, put all your games on Club Nintendo, and then you can download them on the new console. Because that way they, they benefit from it. All they need to do is give you the license to download it again. Yeah. Exactly. You, know, they, you need to do it the same way they currently say, oh, hey, you've already d- bought that game, you can re-download it if you want. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are definitely ways to do this. The real question is, will Nintendo do that or not? That, that's, that, Some that's of it might question. be just, like, the time involved. Like, you know, I think if they were to change systems, like, quicker, it would be more incumbent on them to do it. Whereas, you know, if you've had your Wii for, and those games for, like, God knows how many years already, they, they may feel that, you know, it just won't be such a big deal. People won't kick up so much of a fuss. If they do, you know, if they do kind of screw them over on it. All right, well, we'll move on to the next part of his question. Yeah. So secondly, do you guys know anything about the plot for the new Metroid title? The name is really intriguing to me. In the original NES game, the ending states the following. Great, you fulfilled your mission. It will revive peace in space. <laughs> I'm sorry, let me do that again. Great, you fulfilled your mission. It will revive peace in space. But it may be invaded by other Metroid. Other Metroid. Sorry, the other Metroid. <laughs> Pray for a true peace in space. I don't remember that. No, it, it's pretty famous. Uh, see, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that Nintendo is going to base the title of their game on yeah. that display uh, of well, the English it's, language. Well, it's funny. So, so, you know, so Andrew... Right, so so the, the question is, is, is the newest adventure a reference to this ending? On the I hope to God I, not. I don't think so. I, I think it's closer to a reference to the Game Boy game. The Game Boy game had a bunch of different types of Metroids in them, so... Mm, yeah, the, I guess, you, I mean, the, the M part is, is, is somewhat cryptic, but uh, whether it means what you think it means, or maybe it got double meaning, I mean, we really don't know anything about the plot too much at this point. I think the interviews have said that it's going to take place in the gap between Super Metroid and Fusion, so this is a sort of gap that hasn't been explored before. Like, all the Prime games are set between one and two. They're gapping out now. Yeah, this is a, a different gap um, <laughs> that, they're, that they're looking into. They have fully exploited the previous gap. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's still between two and three, but there, there really isn't much time between those two, is there? Um, we have a definitive answer to this question because IGN made the same observation when they interviewed uh, Yoshia Sakamoto, and they said, so, um, yeah, there was this weird line in the ending of the NES original about other Metroid. Uh, does other M have anything to do with that? And he had no idea what they were talking about. So. <laughs> because in Japanese, that ending 
that phrase probably made sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is funny. It's, it's a good observation. I, I like the way IGN picked up on it as well, actually thought to ask uh, uh, Sakamoto about it. But yeah, it, it's got nothing to do with that. So I yeah. guess we'll, we'll never know what was meant by the other Metroid. Oh, I, we'll, we'll never uh, know but... if that's even what they meant. Bye. Well, but he's asking <laughs> yeah. if we know anything about the plot for the game, and and really all we know is what was in the trailer, and and you can piece yeah. together that you know clearly there's going to be more than just Samus involved. You know, there's going to yeah. be some of this infrastructure of of the federation or whatever they called it I yeah remember. i mean well what it appears to be in addition to being set between fusion uh, and super metroid and seems like it's going to fill in some of the backstory of fusion you know the, the commanding officer that she had that goes on to be the computer in fusion um because there's a reference to that in the trailer but it also looks like it's going to chronicle like big parts of her life like there was bits of her where she was a little girl seemingly and then there was the bit that was basically the finale to super metroid where mother brain was going mental on the baby metroid and mm-hmm. you know it looks like it might maybe just in cutscenes, but it's gonna kind of cover quite a broad swath of the backstory yeah there's certainly going to be more voice acting i mean they're, they're not yeah they're using a, a company to just do the cg seeds that has worked with team ninja before so, you know, I mean, it seems like it's going to be a fairly significant part of the game. You know, the plot seems like it's going to be a little bit more in the vein of fusion, perhaps. Not necessarily in the structure of the game, but just in terms of having dialogue and, and you know, a, a sort of more plot-heavy approach rather than, you know, Zero Mission and Super Metroid. Uh, I hope that doesn't mean it's going to be uh, far more linear like Fusion was. Well, yeah. there's no need that it necessarily would be, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, we really have no idea. It's still, you know, for all the stuff you've seen, and there was a lot of interesting stuff in that trailer, well worth watching it multiple times. Though. I'm sure there's a bit of the speed dash in there somewhere. There is. I, I it seemed like it. What's intriguing to me is how, how are they going to mix this first and third person gameplay? It seems like they have both. Mm. They're elaborating on the side-scrolling aspect. I mean, my first impression would be like, are the first in per- person bits are almost going to be like QTEs, essentially? Like, you know, is the base gameplay going to be like, you know, side-scrolling-ish, like third person gameplay, but then you'll have parts where she has to shoot stuff and some of the the, like, the bits where she's fighting Ridley and stuff almost looks like uh, arena battle. They did, it, it, but... It looks like almost like a Ninja Gaiden or something. Really, really interesting trailer, but there is a pretty limited, you know, ultimately, what you can actually draw from it in terms of you know, tangible evidence. Yeah, so, I mean, really all we could draw draw from some of it is that they have a serious uh, interest in telling story in a different way than the Prime games have. Yeah, I think, I think that's true because, you know, Prime was mostly... As, Especially before three was mostly through the scanning. Sammy, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on to the to the next letter. This is from Voodoo in Chicago, and he writes after Project Natal was shown. Microsoft claimed that the 360 will have a 10 year lifespan. What are your thoughts on this? And on a related note, do any of you actually believe the PS3 will be out for 10 years before a successor is released? And to wrap it up, what do you think Nintendo's plans are with regard to releasing a new console? So, yeah, we've heard about the PS3 10-year cycle for quite a while that they've been talking about, and now Microsoft are starting to talk about it. I mean, I think I think yes. I mean, I think it is probably going to go on for quite a while because I don't sense any appetite among developers to move the technical goalposts again no. and raise development costs across the board on what what a AAA title yeah. is. Yeah, or it, even, among, even among game players, you know? 
I mean, we're we're good. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's something of association with HD that you know this you, you know is re- looks really good. You know, there's yeah that people feel pretty sad. And there there are still that. games coming out that are like, wow, you can do that. Yeah, yeah. there's more. Yeah, you, you can always. I mean, just with more ingenious you know design and programming. I mean, you can always push things somewhat further. I, I would imagine the PS3 probably has quite a lot of potential to mine. Yeah. Also, the fact that you know if people have a harder time coming to grips with it than they do with the 360, since the 360 is so close to a PC. So yes, well, the PS3 certainly. is so close to nothing essentially. It, exactly. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's entirely. It's like Sony right? said, "Let's make the most confusing thing to develop for we yeah. can." But Let's of course, a... we're talking about the the graphical element. But of course, what M- Microsoft is talking about in terms of extending its life is okay. Well, you know, it's the same platform, but we've now got a totally different sort of strand of games because we're going to have Project Natal. Uh, I don't know about Natal, man. It looks so lame. It looks so gimmicky. Natal. I'm sorry. Yeah, there, there are two challenges here. One. Microsoft needs to make a compelling game for it, or, or a third party needs to make a compelling game for it that, that appeals yep. to a group that, that, frankly, they're trying to get. I mean, if, yeah. if it only appeals to current gamers, then they're not doing, their goals aren't correct because yeah. supposedly they're doing this to, to win over some of the folks that, that we has. And, and two, they need to make it associate very strongly with the platform. Right now, the 360 has been out there for several years. It has its own group. You know, people need to almost associate Natal as its own platform. Yeah. That just has a 360 as a peripheral if, if you really want to get to that. Yeah. And mm. If Microsoft's smart, they'll start packing it in. Well, they, basically, they, they they need to get like kind of like the Wii Fit is 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 in some people's minds what Wii is. They, they yes. need to somehow get get that same mentality for Natal. And I I don't I don't know if Microsoft as a company can do that. Well, I, I think it would be dependent on the software. I mean, it's got to be the software. Yep. And the marketing. Yeah, yeah, and the market. Oh, the marketing's got to be there. But you know, I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, Natal. That would have big. I would think that would have pretty big applications in the fitness game realm. Just, just you know, off the top. Of Ubisoft my head. seems yeah. to think I so mean, at least. It could, yeah, because Ubisoft are doing their camera thing for Wii, and and you know, so I mean, you could go down that road. But I mean, obviously, what what they showed with with Milo, you know, what Peter Molyneux was the you know this idea of yeah. new kind of interaction, and all that. It's really good, high concept stuff. But that's that. It was Peter Molyneux showing it, and too. that's what Molyneux does best. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 delivering but, high like, concept stuff. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, yeah, but he could deliver it great. It could be awesome, but is it going to have traction with you know the, with the consumers on a math level? Is is a separate question again. So I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to be answered about what it's going to do for for Microsoft's lifespan. Uh, you know, the 360's lifespan. But I kind of think whether Natal succeeds or 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 doesn't, I still think the 360 is going to be around for quite a while. Uh, yeah, well, I agree. I think all three platforms. Uh, there is no real reason to move on for for we maybe with hd but right now they're in the lead you know nintendo's not gonna be in a hurry to to you know i mean what do you think about like um i mean maybe you could see more move towards you know i mean we've kind of seen it a bit already to some extent with some of these different skews you know that almost like a like more of a handheld approach where you know the, the, the platform doesn't change but you might get a you know and it, a sort of premium edition, you know, where you know maybe a Wii that does have you know, more memory and all this sort of stuff. But that's far you know, more it's likely. Fu- it's fundamentally yeah. the same, you know, because it would it'd be analogous to the DSi. You know, the DSi has come along and it has successfully 
re-energize sales in Japan in particular. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, and I mean, it's got a few new things and all that, but it's still, you know, they haven't moved on, you know, the, the platform is still what it is. You could do the same thing with Wii, and, and obviously, you know, Sony have got the, the new one thing and all that. I mean, this. There's just, I, I just don't think, on the fundamental level, I don't think developers want to move on. No. Well, you know, it, it's it's funny because I had this com- almost exact conversation last week with uh, Jared Rosenberg at E3. He, he made a comment and he asked me, like, he said something along the lines of, well, you know, it's funny because this should be the E3 where Microsoft should have been talking about their next system. And I thought about it for a few minutes, and he was right. If we were on the, the five-year cycle. Yeah, if we yeah. were on the cycle we'd kind of held for yeah. the past couple generations, he was right. And he goes, and he made a comment like, well, do you really think that Sony's 10-year plan is going to apply everywhere? And I, I said something along the lines of, well, honestly, I don't even think Sony believed their 10-year plan when they originally said it. Yeah. I think I think they've just sort of gotten lucky that fate has made them honest, even though they never really intended it to be true. <laughs> because I think we've reached a point where there's so much beef in the hardware that it, you can't. There's so much money put into that hardware. Too. Yeah, they don't want to develop yeah. a new system. I mean, right I now. guess I mean the only caveat attached to the PS3 example is that whereas the 360 has been you know pretty successful in its own right, you know, despite obviously trailing Wii you know, significantly and all that. The PS3 hasn't been, and there comes a point where you say, well, would they want to move on because the PS3 has just failed? But to make a more expensive system? I mean, that, that's a terrible I, I, I think idea. it'd be far more likely that you would have maybe a price drop coupled with a rebranding rather than an actual new console. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if, they, if they felt that, you know, the PS3 is kind of you know, fail to make the impact we wanted it to make, you know, maybe you, you make a slim nylon model, you drop the price, and you call it something different. And you, and you bundle the wand in with it. Yeah, yes. you bundle the exactly. wand. But it's still basically the PS3. Yeah. It still plays the same well, games. The development architecture is the same. I guess you can say, basically, the technological arms race as we knew it is over. See, yeah. uh, what, 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 I, what I said to him at the time was, I think Nintendo is going to be the next one to come out with the system, even though they have the numbers advantage. Simply because it will be cheaper for them to move up than it would be for the other. Yeah, you start mm-hmm. from a lower position. Or so it, it would be substantially less expensive for them to make that jump, and that whatever they make would be completely backwards compatible with the Wii. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I do, I do think you know that's that's where we are with with the games industry right now. There's just you know, I mean, obviously Nintendo made this argument years ago. And it is true. It's just diminishing returns to to escalating, you know, the complexity of the technical aspects and all that. Well, I, I think as well, there's been a couple of things where generally the industry has been shown th- that certain things work that they didn't think worked before. Like the yes. Wii has shown that people really don't care too much about hardware and graphics power and all that stuff as long as, you know, there's something intriguing there to get them interested, the games are good, all that kind of stuff. Also, the, the success of games like Guitar Hero has shown that people are actually willing to buy peripherals. Yeah. More, more so than they ever have before. And spend a lot of money on them. I mean, I mean, Activision. I mean, they are betting on that big with stuff like Tony Hawk Ride yeah. and all that. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of people would balk at the idea of paying 120 dollars for a for a skateboarding game, but you know, they think the market's ready for it. Well, the next question is Steve in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Writes, uh, 
E3 ruined the conduit for me. Ouch. <laughs> okay, that's not an entirely true statement. E3 showed me that the conduit is, in fact, a good game. And if it had been released prior to E3, I probably would have bought it. But now, on the eve of the game's release, I'm faltering on my purchase. You see, E3 was good this year, maybe a little too good. There were so many titles shown coming out this year that now I'm in a bit of a pickle. I can only justify two or maybe three full-price titles and see some of the gorgeous games debuting shortly. The Conduit has slipped down my list a bit. My question is, considering the current economic situation, will other Wii owners also come to the same conclusions that I have about The Conduit? He must be talking about other platforms, because there aren't that many <laughs> Wii games in 2000. There was some text omitted from this to cut it down, and yeah, it's very clear that he was talking about other platforms. So, so okay. yeah, I mean, but John, I mean, for instance, you're in that position. You've got the other platforms as well. A, 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 a TYP, you've got a PS3, and James, you've got a 360, so you three are all in that situation. Um, with access to some of these other games that are coming out. Uh, you know, has it impacted at all your attitude towards something like The Conduit? No, not really, because, I mean, are, are there any other big first-person shooters coming out? Like, right? I don't think so. I can't think of any. any what, for big Wii? Ones. Well, period. This is actually kind of a kind of a slow year for first-person shooters. Yeah, I mean, the, the next big first-person shooters coming out, I mean, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, 2, but that's months away. Mm-hmm. And, of course, for Wii, you've got Red Steel 2 coming at the end of the year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, which are, is a bit that's of a, a very different, different kind of game. It, it, yeah, is, very it is yeah. very, very different. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your your say is, you know, even just across all the the, the platforms, yeah, there's not an overabundance of FPSs, so you're you're fine with it. Yeah, I don't think I think that the, the, that the people that are have been checking for the conduit, the, I don't think anything's going to shake them just because the game is un- kind of unique on the platform. I mean, in terms of where you know it is a true to form first person shooter, and so I don't think it's I don't think there's really anything to compete against it right now. Mm. Well, well it's about, it's, and, and of course, I mean, as you say, I mean, there's a long time I mean, between now and the holidays. I mean, so well, it's, yeah. it's also kind of unique in that the game has this weird hype to it that I don't think we've seen on a on a third party game for that system, with maybe the exception of the original Red Steel. Yeah, there's kind of a can they pull it off sort of mystique yeah, around it. Yeah, I think mm, the intrigue about yeah, it. Yeah, I think yeah. People, people are going to buy that game simply because of the like, well, it can't really have done this, can it? Yeah. And curiosity, you think? Yeah. I mean, yep. but, but I mean, that, well, that's where maybe the economic situation comes in in terms of, you know, is curiosity enough to get people to part with their money under these circumstances? Well, I mean, we haven't seen the huge slowdown in gaming that we've seen in other no, industries. No, I mean, so. the, the sales are da- have been, for the last several months, uh, you know, have been down year on year. But the thing is that last year was exceptional because around this time you had GTA, Wii yes. Fit, Mario Kart, Smash Brothers. You know, I mean, it's it was a, a, a comparison. As a comparison, it's it's a tough one to make. So yeah, I mean, I accept. Yeah, I mean, the games have been relatively robust. You know, so I mean, I think uh, I don't think it's gonna it's gonna hurt it too much. And, and I think TYP makes a great point. You know, I mean, if you're just a Wii owner like I am, there's not that much other stuff to yeah. think about. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 some high profile third party titles that are worth thinking about, like you know, Silent Hill, Dead Space, Resident Evil. You know, but, stuff. But like they're all that. very different. My advice in general for Steve, don't. don't let yourself be guilted into buying a game. If you want to buy a game, <laughs> buy it because you want to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Not because you feel like, well, if I don't buy it, then the developer may not get the money they need and deserve. Don't do not do that. Buy the game because you want to buy it. Don't worry about like voting with your bucks. Just, just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's got to be on its own merits for you and for you alone. You know, I, I, I'm fairly confident that if you enjoy first-person shooters, you won't be 
there's a very low risk of you being terribly disappointed by the conduit. Yeah. Mm. You think solid. Just from my hands on time with it. I'm not ready to anoint it the best FPS I've ever played, but it it, it has solid fundamentals from what I saw. Yeah. And of course, you got the Wii control, so hopefully, you know, if they're done well, you know, just based on Metroid Prime 3, I mean, I think you could could do something, you know, pretty satisfying with that. Now, James, does the conduit beat... uh... Call of Duty Five or Call of Duty uh, World at War? World at War, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think so? Yeah, because that wasn't you. You thought that was you know, I thought that was that decent. was an above average title, but that yeah. was all I was willing to give it. Yeah, right, well, that's that's pretty interesting. John, you are scheduled to review the Conduit still. Are you? Yes, I am. Depending on how many copies, are, we are get. you planning on reviewing it in a timely manner? Please? Yes, yes, I will. <laughs> always reviews <laughs> editor getting out in front, doing his job, always on the clock. <laughs> always, on the, yeah, right. This is why the reviews editor is never allowed on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Never again. Your business comes up. So are you playing? Yeah. Well, John was fine when he was reviewing. Yeah, because John didn't care. Because <laughs> John was worse than we were. Well, I only care because John has a history. I do. Have yeah, a history. it's true. I do. There's, there's what we call red flags. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll move on. Uh, on that. no, this is just the, the last email. It's not a question, but this is uh, Brian in New Jersey. Right, on episode 148, when you guys were discussing Nyko's wand, you seem confused (laughs) over the name Comma and why it has a K. Well, it's not supposed to be named after the punctuation mark, but instead a Japanese weapon similar to a scythe. So there you go. I feel better. It does not, really, uh, it does, does not look like a scythe. No, it looks like a common. I mean, it was probably supposed to be a bit of wordplay. Yeah, I knew that both. they were going for, the, for a Japanese word on I didn't know what the word was. But right. I was like, well, it's, it's still a stupid name. <laughs> I, well, certainly, but I just feel better that they didn't add a K, you know, in the crisscross sense. You know, that's, I just, I just feel better that we've we've moved on from that as a society. But, you but know? it would have been doubly bad. Though, I still wear my clothes were... backwards, though, for the record. <laughs> yeah. well, we knew that, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I met with with the Nyko people at E3, and they seemed legitimately proud of what they've made. So, <laughs> well, they better be because they're giving out these like blow up. <laughs> yeah. Do you want one of these? No, no, I don't. Yeah. Well, you're reviewing it, James. You have to tell us whether they have every right to be. It drains the I, I, playing Punch Out. I realize that thing drains batteries like nobody's business. I don't know. Mm. What, I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> <laughs> I've already burned through a whole set of batteries on that thing. Well, that's going to do it for Listener Mail this week. A really good bunch of questions. As always, if you have more questions, comments, or corrections, send those into rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. Okay, and now we'll move on to the second part of uh, Retroactive number 6 for Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. And we've got two people that didn't discuss it with us a couple of weeks back with uh, John and TYP. So, John, I guess we've got something of an inkling of uh, your uh, feelings towards this game <laughs> yeah, from previous it's... comments that have been made. So, um, uh, would you like to uh, give us the full detail on your, your, your feelings towards it? Well, I mean, I played it briefly, and it was kind of mixed for me. I didn't have the nauseating retching that I thought I would have. <laughs> um, but it was actually, you know, part of it... I mean, I, back when I did play this game, you know, I, I did... Um, I did actually, you know, enjoy it, you know, when I played it the first time through way, way back in the day when it first came out. And 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 did you, I mean, how much did you get through back then? I mean, did you... I, I, play, I, I played through the whole thing. I mean, like, I beat it. That was... So, so even though, you know, you harbor this sort of full resentment towards it, 
um, you did play all the way through. Is that why you resent it so much? <laughs> well, me? the thing is, it's what I what I remembered. You know, I, I maybe played it for. I mean, I didn't have much time to really even touch it, but I played for maybe an hour. Yeah. Um, and what I remembered, I was like, wow, yeah, I forgot how controller throwing difficult this game can be. <laughs> Just because of the way, like, is it the way it, it strips experience from you if you get hit? Yeah. Well, not always. So, certain enemies. Yeah. Certain enemies uh, sort of, yeah, take it away from you. You know, and the way, you know, some enemies kind of give you the experience points, some don't. Some give you a lot, some give well, you a little. Some give you tri- a lot yeah. give you trivial uh, mm-hmm. in the overworld and, and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, in terms of how it handles experience points, because it does it so differently, you know, that is kind of, to me, I think, kind of will be sort of intrinsically frustrating mm-hmm. to, to start with while you sort of get used to its own sort of conventions. Um, yep. TYP, you've, we, we've, we've referenced some of your thoughts on the game yeah. from the from the forum thread before, but um, it'd be nice just to give us the, the full sort of extent of your experience with the well, game, past and well, present. Uh, yeah, since, since I posted in the forums and uh, I knew I was going to be on this podcast, I, I busted out my uh, GameCube Zelda collector's disc. Right. And, um, yes, I played this with a crappy GameCube D-pad for a long time. <laughs> oh, uh, week. Dear, right. um, and I still enjoyed it, damn it. But um, <laughs> in spite of the, the thumb hurting. Um, but uh, one thing I was surprised by, I hadn't played it in several years. Um, and after I'd read some comments, I realized uh, as a kid, I played this game very, very conservatively. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because my first time playing it, I, I got to like near the end and I had 666 from my levels and I wasn't able to do much. I, I just felt like I was underpowered, which you are yeah. if you don't have, if that's what you have at the end. So every time I played it since then, I grind for a long time in either the first or the second temple. Uh, and usually right. I, I, I grind on the, on the bubbles because they regenerate. Yeah, they, 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 um, and they yield quite a lot, don't they? And, and I still do recommend doing that at least a little bit in the first dungeon just to make the game more manageable. But this time I kind of made an effort to, to try not doing that so much. Maybe I grinded to 333 or something in the first dungeon. And right. um, there actually are a lot of ways to get points. Now, if you die a lot, it's it can be hard. But, um, I mean, yeah. I, this game is part of my childhood. Uh, for those who don't realize, in my avatar, I have Shadow Link behind me, um, yeah. <laughs> in, in my icon. So, so this is you know one of one of the games, that, not necessarily my favorite game, but one of these games that sort of I re- vividly remember from my childhood. And so for me, when I'm replaying it, all these issues like about like, oh, geez, what do I do next? Where do I go next? Those aren't issues for me anymore. I, I just sort of yeah. instinctually know what to do. Now, I, I made, you know, I, I took a critical eye to it, and there are definitely um, things I, I did not remember about the translation. It is a pretty bad translation. <laughs> um, yes, it pretty is. Pretty bad being an understatement. I um, am error. Yeah. So here's some notes here. First off, Link, Link talks, and that, that threw me off guard. He talks yeah. to him, and like, oh, I found a mirror. And, and that kind of like, whoa, you know, when I saw that. And um, there are some times when it's kind of ambiguous. You already talked about the East versus West. Yeah. Whatever a, issue a... it was. But later, there, there's a part where um, you have to get some water for a lady to, to learn a spell, which is, you know, it's a nice idea. But when you go to the fountain, and by the way, you have to talk to inanimate objects, which is also kind of weird. But... Um, <laughs> Uh, when you go to the fountain and you talk to the fountain, it says, want some water? That was what it wrote. So 
<laughs> it isn't clear that you actually got water. It's saying, oh, do you want some water? So it's like, oh, yes, I do. Let me go find a bucket, you know? So I could see someone Please. playing this game and, and like, well, geez, I need to find the water. You know, how do I get this water? And, and you know, until they by chance talk to that woman again and realize, oh, I already have water. Uh, they're kind of screwed. So um, there, there are a couple of little design issues there in the towns, but I, I like the ideas behind it. I like what they were trying to do. They were clearly yeah. constrained in the English version by by like one box of text. How much um, you could put? Yeah, the amount I mean, of text. You they could they, they use. were cutting out. You know, you know, they were not Big complete chunks. sentences. They were they were just trying to get ideas out there. And uh, I, it seems to me like it was not a issue of not understanding the language as much as just cramming the info in there. Yeah, um, you know, the, the, punctuation. Even if it would... You know. Yeah, I mean, even if it were translated well, when you've got to hack and slash it down to that that text box, you know, exactly. I, mean, you're I, run I, I think it. largely that was the, the the issue with some of this stuff. Yeah, I I could totally see that, no doubt about that. So about the difficulty of the game early on, we've got a, a forum post here from Yoshi One Thousand One. Um, posted the basic problem with the leveling mechanic is that after the major gains that come with the first few levels the later boosts become less than useful as a result the hardest parts are the beginning of the game when you're not very powerful and extremely vulnerable and the end of the game where your levels don't improve enough to match the sharply increasing difficulty now in my experience like the, the, the bit about the, the start of the game is true um, you know, like it does seem you know, sort of harder to start with and then you mm. kind of get over a bit of a hump, especially, I guess, if you did what you were recommending, TYP, with grinding away at those yeah, bubble gr- things for a little, little while. Yeah, you can get at least your attack up some, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think that's sound advice. But, I mean, I haven't got right towards the end of the game, but, it, I mean, is that accurate that, you know, once you yeah, get to that the, very the, end, the, it really there, does? There's this march up to the final temple that is... Um, mm. I guess there's some caves. There's a lot of like these, you know, special squares that when you land on them, uh, you go into this special, you know, combative area. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that. And um, to be honest, as a kid, I, I gamed it. There's a there's a exploit which you guys didn't mention uh, last week that as a kid I discovered pretty quickly, um, where if you start walking over to one of these special squares, but you get hit by a like an enemy on the map. Yeah. You enter the normal enemy sequence and when you're done you're on that new square so you can essentially bypass i almost feel like i'm justified in doing this especially for like sections with those damn bubbles that pop up yeah the evil bubbles i I gotta conserve my lives here i don't care if i'm kind of cheat gaming the game i i don't care you know it's in the game and they haven't taken it out um yep (laughs) the game is definitely very difficult um and and the final temple is very difficult too i have not gotten there on my uh, recent playthrough yet but i I mean i played the game several times it's a very difficult well and there is actually a a sort of uh, a kind of special change that happens at the very end of the game where in fact you do restart at that temple if you run out of lives yes Mm -hmm. so nintendo clearly knew that yeah like get Getting to the temple, at least the designers intended for that to be a big challenge in and of itself. Um, yeah. And, and you can bypass it to some extent through that exploit I talked about. But, I mean, Nintendo knew that this was difficult and they, when they were making this game. And, and I think yeah. that's an interesting point in the game design. Um, I, I think Adidad has a post that kind of touches on, on the game design and how it's kind of focused differently than the other Zelda games. It's almost more like a Super Mario game to me. Yeah, yeah. Like Zelda 2 is bound by its lack of items and reliance on combat. Instead of environmental puzzles. But his point is, it deserves praise because it did something different and, and it actually is fun. And, and I agree, the, the the difficulty is fun. I think the controls are spot on. Um, I love the controls in this game. I know you guys are complaining a little bit about 
uh, the length of your sword, but yeah, I, I think that's not really a control on. issue, though. Yeah, I, well, and the graphics are primitive in a way that's good. Like another game I'm playing through here and there is Henry Hatsworth, which you guys have talked about yeah, to death. Plenty. But um, I'm kind of a little annoyed with the melee attack, which I use the most because it's kind of hard to tell if you're going to hit that person or not. Yeah, you kind of you kind of have to do that by experience uh, with because because yeah, it's, it, it's variable. Like if you if you do the one where you're crouching and slash, it's like longer. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I exactly. So, that. so I, I like the the real predictability of when I when I push A, it's going to do this. If I push up A, it's going to do this. If I push down A, it's going to do this. And it's very fast, and you can get out of your downstab really quickly if you need to. You know, I just think that the controls are maybe it's because I grew up on it. No, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with the controls at all. No. I, mean, I, I think I think they they, they work fine, and uh, obviously they really have to because this yeah. game. As, as Adadad was talking about, it does emphasize the combat elements rather than, you know, the item yeah. use and the puzzles or the, of, of other Zelda games. So it's so leveraged on that. It had it to is. work. And it does. Uh, the combat yeah. works. I mean, I, 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 I really feel that it that it does. Um, I mean, in terms of these, uh, d- deserve praise because it's it's different. I mean, I think it just deserves praise because it works. Not it's so much because game. it's different. I like the mm-hmm. game. You know what I mean? And the downstrike, I mean, I think that's a big deal in this game in the sense yeah. that it speeds a lot of things it is. up. Mm-hmm. Isn't it, does. it? You know, like, once you can yeah. start bouncing over the top of enemies, you know, I mean, and Johnny kind of alluded to this last week and stuff and, and killing them that way very quickly and stuff, it, it, it does improve the flow of the action for me. Mm-hmm. And and it's fun as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, sometimes it's amusing to just sort of tap down really quickly quickly a lot of times you can like stab them over and over again i just sort of at a i don't know if you try doing that but <laughs> it can be really amusing and fun way to you know if, if you're not quite high enough above like a bubble to, to kill it by downstabs if you do this you're almost like jumping on on the, the baddie just downstabbing over and over again and it, it just like, lots of fun little weird techniques in the game that maybe some of them weren't even intentional but yeah I don't know. It's just the, the controls are simple but satisfying, just like in Punch Out. And speaking of Punch Out, it, it's weird that a lot of us are playing Zelda 2 with Punch Out on GameCube because on the NES, Punch Out borrowed a lot of sound effects from Zelda 2. Like, because that's the thing that reminded me actually, because the thing about Zelda 2 is that in Japan, um, it came out at the beginning of 1987, so that would be well before Punch Out mm-hmm. came out. Really? Wouldn't it? Wow. I think the original Zelda w- was, um, was about 11 months before that. So, I mean, this was a really quick turnaround that they got this game out. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I think if they'd had more time, I think it might have seemed a bit more polished than it does. You know, it does. It has some rough edges mm-hmm. and, you know, some things that just make it seem like it was uh, perhaps the product of a quick development cycle. But having said that, I'm still kind of impressed, especially considering that it is, as has been mentioned before, quite an ambitious 8-bit game, you know, that they got this done so quickly. Speaking of the time period that it came out, I was wondering, you know, kind of like with the overworld map and all of that, what games did it take cues from? Probably Dragon Quest, would be yeah. my guess. Because that's what I thought. I was well, like, this I mean, is... but I, I mean, I don't know the the timelines of Dragon Quest, but I mean, you know, when you're talking about the very beginning, you know, literally like January of '87. I mean, you know, the RPG genre as johnny mentioned last week is not the you know the established kind of archetype you know yeah. yet uh, i think one of the things about it kind of reminds me and someone sort of referenced this uh i think it was sunji lost in a, in a in a different context but it does kind of remind me of the nes metroid in a way in the sense that it seems like it's it is very ambitious and 
It could almost have done with a 16-bit version where they kind of really tried to do all the things they wanted to do originally, but, you know, because of the the restrictions of the format and because they were doing it on a short time schedule, they probably couldn't manage. But, of course, this never happened. It's kind of a shame, really, don't you think, that, you know, this... There's a lot. There's quite a lot of potential that you could do a side-scrolling game in this vein. Absolutely. Today, even now, I mean, I guess you've got the modern Castlevanias and all that, but there aren't really that many games that work like this does. No, not really. Yeah, I'd say Castlevania is the closest closest thing, which means a Metroid, I guess. Especially like with, I think Order of Ecclesia is quite is is, is more close than the others. The, the way the combat works and things, and the difficulty, uh, uh, it's probably. It's it's kind of surprising, you know, having not pl- having played Order of Ecclesia before that. Actually, there are there is quite a few similarities there. Um, but well, we'll move on to uh, another interesting forum post uh, that we had, and it says, uh, "Sudji Life." Uh, as, as I said before, said there is one thing that I realised that I missed in this game from other Zelda games, specifically the visual and audio clues that are present in nearly every other Zelda game. Zelda Two gives you almost no help in finding your way through the temples. The trek through the final palace t- slash temple is absurdly hard, at least by today's standards. I'd forgotten that you had to break a block in the floor just to find a hidden hold. Oddly enough, I think playing the original Metroid when I was younger helped me prepare for this game more than the original Zelda did, because otherwise trying to find hidden passages or holes would probably never have occurred to me. You know, you know, there's another game that we've talked about on this show that, that does that to the extreme, which is Mylon's Secret Castle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Which is, <laughs> it's just like, there's no way to beat this game unless you already know how to beat this game. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. That was a game. I, I remember that. I mean, that game, like, a friend and I tried to play through that when I was young way way back in the dinosaur age but um and there was literally a part where we had no idea how to beat it and could not figure it out and that game sat there for months until we actually had to buy a magazine like six months down the line and finally like we we would sit there we sat there for six months trying to find a magazine that would show us how to do that and we finally found one that's the only way we beat it it's crazy i mean I guess what's interesting about what he says, you know, when you think of Zelda, a lot of the time, you know, if there's a there's a crack in the wall, or if you tap it with your sword, it there's sounds a cue different. Of some kind. That means you can bomb it, for instance, you know. Yeah. And what he's talking about here sounds a bit more like, right, I'm going to be Samus, and I'm going to morph ball bomb every little bit of this room mm-hmm. <laughs> until I find something. I mean, do you think is that a fair sort of characterization of some of what goes on later on? I don't think so. I, I haven't played the final temple in a long time. Right. Um, so uh, it's hard for me to speak to that particular uh, example. But, I mean, compared with Zelda 1, this has a lot more help. And sometimes the translation screws that up. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the game is a lot more helpful. You go to the towns and you talk to the people and say, hey, you know, be careful or whatever. Make sure to go to the town before you go to the palace. Or I mean, they give you some hints. And, and they can, one of them, they'll tell you, you know, if you don't know what to do, jump in the pit. Mm-hmm. They do They do give you hints. You have to know to talk to people. But they, they do have hints compared with Zelda One, where there's just some old old guy says, "Hey, you want to buy a map?" Yeah, it's just know? a lot <laughs> more NPCs. You know? well, just the NPCs themselves, really, is you know, it's a big step forward. Of course, yeah. Yeah, once you get to the other Zeldas, kind of kept that from Zelda Two, you know. The, yeah, the, the I mean, like in, in Zelda One, there isn't any clue that you can bomb a wall. You have to bomb every wall. Um, so, I mean, really, God, I mean, yeah. it's been a long time since I've. 
Yeah. Such stats. So. Oh yeah. Well, I, <laughs> that's I mean, a great I mean, design decision. Zelda yeah. One has a lot of this stuff in it still. I, I remember getting stuck. Uh, it has a second quest, and I think it was yeah. maybe Dungeon Six. I just could not find in the second quest. I just couldn't find it. Uh, <laughs> I went back to it like eight years later and finally found it. And I was like, yes, I can beat this game again now. I mean, so Zelda One had a lot of this, and, and Zelda Two did do an admirable job of attempting to fix what problems it could. Um, and, and the yeah, I, I suspect there is some really annoying stuff like that, like Sunjules mentions, but. In the grand scheme of things, it was a big step forward, in my opinion. I mean, it's this sort of, you know, fairly sort of, you know, un-Zelda-ish kind of thing, I guess. I mean, and maybe maybe just because you're not used to doing, you know, what he's talking about in terms of sort of trying to find a little hole in the, in the break a block in the floor. I mean, you've yeah. got, what is it? I mean, there's that red temple, like, you know, where, like, there's loads of destructible blocks. Um mm-hmm isn't there but i mean in terms of a single destructible block in amongst a bunch of ones that you wouldn't necessarily know about i mean that isn't something that i've seen when no, i've been playing it does, it does sound vaguely familiar i, I i'm yeah. sure that that's probably the case and and yeah that is kind of asinine i agree <laughs> well uh, but you know i mean yeah these things kind of with 8 bit <laughs> 8 bit games kind yeah. of work quite free i mean i have no idea i finished simon's quest as a child if yeah. someone could tell me I'd <laughs> you had a lot it. of time on your hands that's how you finished it <laughs> well you do that's that's true. the whole thing i mean you have hours and hours to just waste beating your head against the wall you were I actually so. possessed by the game Mm-hmm. That's the only explanation. There are games that I go back to now for my NES collection. I'm like, how the hell did I beat this? <laughs> or why? <laughs> why? That's, yeah. that's, what, that's yeah. the question I ask. <laughs> yeah. Why do I, I bother? remember this game being this impossible. What the hell? Am I the only one who still to this day has trouble fighting like the the blue enemies in this game? Like the that the guy that throws the hammer side horizontally? Or the guy that's like the ones from Castlevania, like the just the, the axe men. Like there's, I guess there's some so, blue yeah. guys. Like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much exactly like that. Yeah, you. Do, I think. I mean, I'm impressed for what I've seen. There seems to be, you know, you do find more enemies as it goes. You know, you do get different types, and apparently, even the last temple introduces mm-hmm. new enemies, which I think is great because so often when you get to the end of games. You know, it's just the same stuff you've done before. I mean, even in Zelda yes. or in Okami, the very Zelda-like Okami, you know, there's a tradition. There's always a tradition of like, fight the bosses you fought before, you know, and stuff like yeah, that. You know, there's Me- never Mega Man syndrome. Yeah, well, of course, there's Mega Man, the the gaunt, the boss gauntlet kind of thing as well. But you know, so seldom when you get to the very end, other than the last boss, is there anything really genuinely new? A lot of the time, whereas you know, here there is. I think that's I think that's great because. I think it really sort of builds the sense of, you know, that there's something different waiting for you at the end, you know, it kind of helps the momentum of it. I I think it's something that's lacking from a lot of games, or at least like other Zelda games. Yeah, it it does. And and Mop It Up uh, mentions that like in the final temple... Uh, it's more challenge, and um, the music is different, and it's excellent. It's, yeah, that, that's uh, that probably... as well. Again, like they made the effort for the last time, actually, because like obviously, I mean, the temple music is really good, but it's you know it's used a lot inevitably mm-hmm. um, before that. So yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I I, I think I, I would like to see very often with Zelda games, you know, you have these really great dungeons, you know, all through the game, and then you get to the last one, and it's kind of not quite as full featured. Like, I mean, you could say that about. Ganon's castle in Wind Waker. You could say it about the uh, Hyrule castle in Twilight Princess. I mean, it just always seems to be that way. Uh, isn't I seem to remember the 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 Wind Fish's egg or whatever it is. 
uh, being kind of short, too. Mm. Yeah, but, it was. You know, the, Nintendo wasn't lazy back then. I mean, the original Zelda had a really crazy-ass difficult uh, final dungeon <laughs> for Ganon. Um, I mean, it, do- it doesn't just have to be crazy-ass difficult. I just like the feel of the... You know, I want to feel like you're up in the ante right to the end. Yeah. You know? the Ga- Ganon's castle in the original dungeon, what do you want to call it, in the first Zelda, I think used up every single square in um, in the map. You know the, the right. range that you could have. No, so. it just it just feels like something that's you know. I mean, I mean, you get loads of great finales like with the bosses and stuff, but just the actual the bits that lead up to it kind of sometimes if they, they feel a little bit flat to me. I, I picked out what I thought was a pretty interesting transition from uh, someone that's uh, joined the forums, especially to contribute to the to the retroactive thread for Zelda Two, which we always uh, obviously support. That's that's great. Um, especially like you know, as it was when all the E3 craziness was going on, it was really nice to have that kind of level of participation. But this is from Buttle, and he first posted, "I think the biggest thrill is that it's a Zelda game, but it's so different from the others. You've got no one holding your hand, telling you anything, which is really refreshing. And the 2D controls, fighting, exploring is great. So you know, it's all going well. I think he was already quite far into the game at this point. And then he has his rebuttal. <laughs> Very nicely done. Uh, so he posted <laughs> later." He posted later, and I think at this point he had gotten very, very deep into the game and had been using the Wii Suspend feature a lot, but not necessarily actually saving, and then find himself stuck in a room that he had oh. apparently no way out of. Just could not find his way out of the room oh, at no. all. And so he said, after finding no way out of the room, I reset the game, and the last time I saved was a long, long while back, and so with that, I think I'm done. I can understand. <laughs> and, then, and, then he's, and then he says, I do think that this is an awful, awful game. <laughs> Well, some of that is self-inflicted. Yeah, There's a yeah. little magic here and there, but you've got to go through some major shit to get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, that's... I mean, that may be frustration talking as much as anything because yeah. that does sound really yeah. funny. Annoying. But that's what I'm saying, though, is that there are some parts in this game where I was like, holy shit, I just want to punch my TV. Well, it's no question. You know? John it's more, it, there's no TV. question in my mind, you know, leaving aside the 8-bit, the, the, the 8-bit, the original 8-bit Zelda maybe, you know, has its issues. Um, but certainly when you look at subsequent Zeldas, I mean, Zelda 2 is way more frustrating, you know, the, than any of those. No doubt. I mean, you know, the, uh, just the very fact that you can, you know, get close to getting a level and then you might just miss a jump. And then that's your life gone, your experience gone, yep. and, and that's, you know, I mean, that, that kind of frustration is, is, is essentially impossible yeah. in subsequent Zelda games. But, you know, it's kind of, it's a double-edged sword because that's, you know, some of the, the challenge and the tension in the game as well. Yeah, when it I, works. I agree. I, I found that I was really cocky when I first started playing this a couple of days ago. Because, <laughs> like, oh, I played this over and over again, you know, and I, and I was dying, you know, I lost 800,000 whatever points. I mean, I was <laughs> maybe 400 points away from an upgrade and I... I was on my last life, and like you know, I should be playing conservatively. I shouldn't be going to the the boss right now to to, to battle him. I should be, yeah. you know, trying to level up. But uh, you know, I, I'm playing this for my seventh time. You know, so <laughs> I died, obviously, and uh, you know, <laughs> oh. and and I had to. I said, yeah. And then Ganon laughed at you, and you, know? you thought, <laughs> you bastard. 
but you know that isn't for everyone. I mean, I, I totally understand, especially yeah. something like this with a save state problem. I think mm. there's a couple of different levels to this, in the sense that number one, it isn't going to give you everything that Zelda, you know, that you would be accustomed to from a Zelda experience. But then the second thing is, is that even if you kind of wrap your head around that, you still may or may not like what it does do. It, it is a creature of its own right. Now, wh- now whether or not the design decisions. We're, we're all good. Yeah. And I mean, wh- whether the reception is responsible for there not being more games like this, I mean, I don't know. I but, don't know. I mean, I think it sold quite well. It, 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 sure it did mind. sell pretty well, yeah. I guess, I mean, it, some of it's just because it's, you know, at the time, the, the game design kind of ethos was still so dominated by the arcade. I mean, even though it didn't necessarily have to be, but it was. Yep. I mean, you know, most games were very arcade style. Whereas, you know, this, you know, because it had a live system, you know, you, you might think it is on the surface of it, but it really isn't. You know, it's very, you know, it's very different from that. So that's why it's this weird kind of mix of sort of, you know, the, the, the side scrolling and all that kind of looks arcadey. The lives look arcadey, but it's not an arcadey game at no, all. No, it isn't. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not one of those games where you feel like, oh, this design decision was made to eat quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It, it isn't. It, the design decision was made to make you be careful. That's the thing about the difficulty in the game. It, that, you know, it's not about that at all, which I think is, is, is one of the better things about it. But that doesn't mean it won't frustrate people at the same time. I really like the, the magic system. And I know, I guess Johnny talked about it a little last last time when you talked yeah. about Zelda 2. But I found that like the resource management involved in... You know, saying, well, let's see, how much magic do I have left? Should I use shield? Do I need to save it for life later? I mean, I thought that was, I think it's really interesting. And it's something I, I kind of have taken for granted in prior playthroughs, but I, I really noticed it this time. It's really significant resource management. Like, again, more so than than there is in, in other Zelda games, for sure. Because, yeah, I mean, it, that it is. is very valuable. If if an if an enemy drops a, a, a magic capsule or whatever they call it. it looks like a musical note i have no idea what it's really supposed to be you're like okay well you know what can i use right now you know i yeah i mean it could really get you out of a jam mm-hmm. i want to heal myself a little i want to do shield what do i want to do you know so it's a, it's a really interesting thing that i think has been lost largely in the zelda series because they have magic still it introduced magic, yeah but it, it mostly kind of just powers certain items doesn't yeah. it you know, yeah it's kind of subservient oh, yeah. it, it, there there are abilities that you can use magically and that was really big in um in uh ocarina of time not so yeah. much in, in games that preceded it well i thought that wind waker did a decent job just because of the um the the leaf that you fly that, yeah, that has it there true but there isn't this sort of trade-off on which which what do i want to use my magic for there really isn't that feeling yeah there's, there's no there's no there's no tactical application for magic really yeah the tactical element is what's so different because as the yp say you know sometimes it's like you could use it to say jump over a bunch of enemies but obviously if you did that you jump onto a higher ledge and then kind of you know avoid them but of course doing that you're not going to kill those enemies and get experience points. You could say, well, do I do that, which is sort of safer? Or do I use the shield so I can stand in there and, and you know, maybe actually yeah. kill these guys and get the experience points? I mean, it, it is resource management. It is sort of tactical. And that's really interesting in a way that, you know, and, and as TYP says, like, when you get a refill, 
that is a big event. Like it's it's yeah. not that common. It can make or break you. And, absolutely. And the, and the heart and, and magic containers are big deals in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Again, they really. But whereas you know, I mean, come on. I mean, in the Link to the Past or any of these other ones that have had a magic meter. I mean, you cut a blade of grass and you're gonna be able. It's to magic yeah. grass, fucker. <laughs> and t- in terms of taking it into a boss fight, you can have like the blue potion, which fills both, or the green potion. Yeah. Yeah. It- Potions is really the extent of the asset management in, in more recent games. And I mean, if you've got, and I guess that's related to how many bottles you've got in in the yeah. You know, the, the, so there's a little bit of it in subsequent Zelda's, but it's much more important and much more tactical in uh, in Zelda Two. And I mean, the one thing I kind of dislike about the way the levels work is that it really behooves you to kind of game the system in certain respects. Like when you do a temple, you get like a level for free basically mm-hmm. don't you so what you really want to do is make sure that when you do that you've just leveled up because mm-hmm. that is really valuable like then you might be getting like practically an entire level for free and i just think that's a bit too like not based on merit if you know what yeah. I mean. yeah i i agree i mean i did what someone suggested in the forums one time as i jump over the the statue i played through the temple again got the rest of the experience points and then yeah and because then you don't the, even have to that's right you don't even have to actually put the thing in the the statue or whatever and 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 activate that so so that makes it even more exploitable yeah exactly. uh, essentially so that's that's a good point and i just think that kind of disrupts the balance of the way the leveling works a bit and you know i don't know whether that was an oversight or whether they you know in some way intended for you to game it Maybe, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's all that successful. So who actually did design it? Who was the head designer on it? Well, so so Miyamoto apparently set the concept. Because it's going to be side-scrolling, it's going to have this RPG element, it's going to be about sword play and all this stuff. But the actual Zelda team, as it were, did not make it. Which kind of, you know, doesn't really surprise you when you hear about how quickly it was made. Yeah, I mean, I'd really like to, to see, looking back on it, what he, think, what he thinks of the game. What? Yeah, so this was a subject in the forums people brought up. The, the, there's this interview from about 2003, around about when Wind Waker was coming out, and someone was interviewing about the Zelda series, and said, you know, well, Adventure League was very different, you know, what was up with that? And he basically <laughs> said, well, you know, it's my idea, but it's made by someone else, and it, this is the quote, says, compared to Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2 went exactly as we expected, All ga- but all games I make usually get better in the development process since good ideas keep coming, but Zelda <laughs> 2 was sort of a failure. So, in other words, he's throwing those poor buggers that actually made the game under the bus. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, so he's saying that there was nobody there to upend the tea table, basically. <laughs> yeah, something Effectively. like that. I mean, yeah. That tea table stayed down. Yeah, but if, if this is one of his failures then, man, I mean, I hate to see a catastrophe. I mean, well, yeah. The way he puts it, though, is almost like it isn't, like, he's not saying it's his failure. It's like, well, the good ideas didn't keep coming because I wasn't working on it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, it wasn't a failure, though. The game, I like the game. The game is good. Maybe he means the development process was a failure in that uh, mm. ideas didn't flourish. But, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Miyamoto's conception a of a failure. failure sometimes is a little at odds with what mine would be, for instance. I'm pretty sure he considers it or GX a failure. Yeah. I, think the, I think the whole thing is, I mean, in terms of his involvement with the project, I think that what he objects to is the fact that there are the kind of glaring sort of design issues that we're talking about, where his games, they don't have that. 
They they just really don't. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I think that's probably as simple as you know, someone higher up the food chain said, "Look, we want a Zelda sequel on the market at X date." Yeah. And that date is not far away. Just yeah, you know, that date is you know pretty much a year from when the first one come out. Make it so. Yeah. So I mean, this was kind of this was kind of the first instance of the series being outsourced in a way. Well, well it, in, it was, in a way, it was still internal though. Yeah. It's still internal, but yeah, in terms yeah. of yeah, but, but they did it with Mario Two, as we talked about the other Lost Levels Mario Two. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, that was a really quick turnaround. Exactly the same sort of thing, except that was the same game. Exactly, that was much easier to do on a quick turnaround because you're not creating a whole new game. You're not creating anything new. You're just re, re- just a level pack, the levels. Essentially. Yeah. Well, um, I feel like we should bring up that uh, Legend of Princess. I mean, people who you know, I don't remember who originally linked it to me, but I was you know in the quotes were uh, you know what Zelda two should have been. I- I'm not sure that's fair. No, um, I don't think so either. And, and I think that the controls there are interesting, but kind of sloppy compared to. To this game, and I actually yeah. I like this, you know, Zelda 2's controls a lot more than Legends of Prince, Legend of Princess. Not that those controls are bad, but I'd love to see another game like this. And I've said it before; I'd said it again. I mean, if they get tired of this DS Phantom Hourglass structure or whatever, or if they're looking for <laughs> something new on, on Wii, it's easy money. Um, yeah. I mean, this is an. This could be a very interesting experiment for them. They could do it. Heck, they could do another two D. You know, do what they did with Wario Land, shake it. I mean, I guess the easiest thing to do would be position it as a Zelda spin-off, uh, you know, kind of title maybe. Let's face it, you know, it's not that sacrosanct anymore after crossbow training. <laughs> Touche. I'd love to see it on WiiWare. Something like this done on yeah. WiiWare. Well, I mean, yeah, we like, always talk about WiiWare in this regard, and it just doesn't seem to be something. Yeah, interesting Nintendo doesn't make WiiWare games. <laughs> So Skip maybe. does. Skip makes a lot. <laughs> Apparently, they also make Captain Poor. Rainbow. Yes, they yeah, do. they did. I know. And uh, and oh, on that note, actually, um, one thing that came out around about E3 in Japan, so slipped in amongst like the Monster Hunter bundle news, is there's going to be a new Chibi Robo for DS, and it's really? coming out in July in Japan. So. Sweet. Uh, Chibi Robo fans, uh, it's, it's good for them that the franchise is still go. Whether we'll get it every, anywhere else, I guess, is up in the air. I mean, because the original Chibi Robo DS was like a Walmart exclusive or something, and <laughs> I don't know how well it sold. Wonderful. Oh, but it's at Walmart. Everyone's going to buy it there. <laughs> Everyone who likes plugging in robots. Well, I guess we'll 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 bring it to a close there. Um, oh, hello. Is there? Do you want to say anything about um, the very final boss, Dark Link, from your avatar? The the famous. You know... Oh well. Nice spoiler there, Greg. Jeez. Oh come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I don't have that much to say about Dark Link or Shadow Link. I guess is his name, Shadow Link. Um. He he actually feels a lot like fighting an iron knuckle, except you know he has your down stab too. And um, I mean, it's an interesting boss. It's an interesting you know it's an appropriate final boss in my opinion because you know your the controls are such an integral part of the game. And to have another enemy that has the exact same controls as you is it's a very good. And they were kind of building up to it with all these different other Iron Knuckle guys and, and these skeletons that can downstab. It's kind of well, and you know, funnily, we, we talked about the similarities between this game maybe and, and some other games, you know, like uh, the latter-day Castlevanias or, or the Met- mm-hmm. or Metroid. I mean, they kind of have done this as well. You know, like you think of the fusion boss with the SAX or yeah, right. you know, fight, fighting Richter Belmont. I mean, it, it's almost like the same thing. I mean, it's 
an interesting final boss. I, I'd say I'd say it's a little anticlimactic once you beat him. You just sort of oh, there, there's the Triforce, and there you go. But, um, <laughs> you, you think you think getting the Triforce would be a more exciting moment than that? Yeah. Gee, you've just gotten your hands on the basically embodiment of divine power. Nope, it's over. Game's over. Bye, guys. Yeah, he's getting the Triforce of Courage, isn't he? Like, uh, it's only the One Piece. Right. It's basically the same as what uh, Little Link gets in, in uh, Wind Waker, isn't it? That's It's the same, but he had to fish for it. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I would much rather fish for the divine embodiment of creation <laughs> than, than have to go through a bunch of levels to find it. I mean, yeah. honestly, it just seems more relaxing. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for uh, the Zelda 2 Retroactive. I want to say, as Johnny said, you're a really, really great participation on this occasion lots of really good posts far too many to to go into detail with uh, on the on the show unfortunately but really appreciate all the participation and the new people that came in all it was great especially you know with it having to be protracted over e3 and everything it was, it was really good and and um i'm gonna close out the show now first of all we're saying emails should go to rfn at nintendoworldreport.com and uh, a special note on that next week's episode as you may have guessed is episode 150 and uh, we'll be doing some commemorations and so forth uh, for for that special anniversary giant slimes and giant bubbles. <laughs> so we would appreciate if you've got anything you'd like to hear about, any particular memories you've got of the show or anything, if you're listening to this pretty close to when it went out, you've got a chance to get that in before we record. Send it to us and we may well use it on the show next week. And uh, Johnny will be back for that, I believe. And TYP, thanks a lot for joining us. Help us out with Zelda 2. Oh, I'm always happy to interject and interrupt you, Greg. <laughs> and uh, how are we looking for radio trivia now that you have uh, been reestablished? Uh, th- there should be a new episode up before this gets up. Um, Great. I'm just pushing Great. on the final touches, so uh, check that out. And of course, John and James, always a pleasure. Always a good yep. time. Oh, yeah. Looking forward, looking forward to it next week. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the best. It's going to be like a bear attack all yep. day. Yep. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, guys. Ooh, <laughs> And with that, I'll say so long. See you next week. Later. Later. Bye-bye. John's not recording. This is this is this is a, a salmon floating around his head talking. It's all a ruse. <laughs> salmon arm, eh? Well, no. See, the the funny the funniest thing with that is that I'm just like, I, I, for a second there, I was I, I when I played the first time and when I first played Bear Hugger, I was like, okay, let's just see how far they take the whole stereotype. Okay, they and, took it to the extreme. Well, the funny the funny thing was I didn't hear him say a, eh, and I'm like, wow, yeah. that's re- that's refreshing. You know, oh, but, but he drinks maple syrup, <laughs> yeah. so what are you going to say? But then I played him again. I'm a hugger, not a fighter. Take off, eh? And I was oh, just like, oh, you stereotypical bastards. <laughs>